Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. All right, so I'm jacked up to wake up today on the wake-up call. The snow's going to be out of here today. We're going to get up into the 50s, fellas. We're going to be feeling good. The sun will shine down on our bodies and bones. It will feel better. Uh, Cannot wait for that. Welcome in. It's the wake-up call. He's Kevin Bowen. I'm Andy Sweeney. Mark Dykton producing today's effort. You know it's a Tuesday. You know what that means. Rick Carlisle, Pacers head coach, will join us coming up at 8 o'clock. We'll talk with Joel A. Erickson as well. First day, the Colts can go ahead and tag Michael Pittman or anybody else. We'll dive into that and tons of lingering thoughts from the All-Star Weekend. Yesterday was the, the hot take from the national media. All the fixes and all the things that needed to be done. We can dive into that as well. KB, a good morning to you, sir. Good morning as well. Yes, I told the kids yesterday ago, if we don't get outside today, we might not see snow again in 2024. Uh, They were a little, uh, certainly Rosie looked at me a little uh, cockeyed with that, but we did get outside, and as we've talked about, uh, it's been quite the quiet offseason for the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, It's one of the, honestly, one of the quieter month-and-a-half stretches I can recall in a time period where not every other team is quiet. Like, yeah, early July, we know there's no news in the NFL, but still, we did the exercise last week going through each team of like, wait, who has at least replaced a coordinator? The Colts don't even fall on that list. So at some point here in the next two weeks, as you said, starting today, we will get an answer on Michael Pittman Jr. We will get an answer on the start of this free agency class, and uh, I'm looking forward to Joel Erickson joining us at 9. I think another storyline we could throw Joel's way, Andy, is you know, as we get closer to free agency, three weeks from tomorrow is the start of free agency. What needs need to be checked in free agency? What needs to need to be checked in the draft? Because I always feel like that's an exercise we don't do enough in the offseason. Not everything is a need to me that just, boom, draft and free agency or you know, yeah, just take care of it at some point. No, no, no. I, I, I think it's smart to try to do it in the two biggest areas of roster building each offseason. So that's something I want to throw Joel's way. And I, I would say with Rick Carlisle, we need an Aaron Neesmith update, don't we? <laughs> How much do you think Rick Carlisle watched the proceedings over the weekend? Like he was with his family. So I would imagine if he's with his family, his parents are, I'm sure, much, you know, older uh, in life. Uh, I would imagine, do they all sit down around the, the color television and watch some NBA? What do you so think? So he said he was first with the parents, right, in upstate New York. And then he went Ogdensburg, to Virginia. correct? Yeah, and, and his brother was with him yeah. initially, I believe. So, and then went to visit Abby at U. UVA, his daughter. Yep. Um, and, and what did he label it? Like sorority rush. bid weekend? Rush I, weekend? I, I thought it was rush, but I thought okay. rush happened earlier, like before the, uh, again, I don't know too much. About like some sororities. schools do first semester, some do second, but okay. then again, I mean, hell, to your point, it's mid-February. We're, we're kind of deep into February. Because I'm thinking to myself for a second here, and, and, you know, again, Abby is a freshman at UVA, not to say that she would... Um, go down this path at all, but I'm like, are we getting Rick Carlisle like going beer pong? <laughs> Is he playing flip cup? What if there was a video of Rick Carlisle doing a keg stand? Like we had to bring well, that, that would up. be epic. Yeah, um, yeah. that would be a, a guaranteed to give the Pacers five more wins. Do we, the rest do we, of the way. Would we lead with the keg stand or with Aaron Neesmith? That would be the great question that coming up great, at 8-0-1. That would be a coin flip that we would have done at six fifty eight. So looking yeah. forward to uh, you're not wrong talking with head coach the Pacers. They are back to practice later today. Again, as you heard there on the overnight leading into our show, 
Pacers-Pistons coming up Thursday night at 7. Uh, and just how he manages this first week. You know, where are guys at health-wise? I mean, certainly Matherin looked fine during All-Star weekend. Uh, Halliburton, uh, what, played the second most minutes. And then uh, the Aaron Neesmith question, I think, is uh, pretty high on that list here. But to your point, I, I would think he watched a good amount of it. Well, you would have to. He has to like what he sees from Benedict Matherin, a guy who is limping literally to the finish line of the first half of the season. He's at a Charlottesville and, uh, bar just yelling at the Rising Stars game. Jaden Ivey, take that! He went from the he went from the sick bed to winning almost every uh, everything you could win. Obviously, besides the All Star game, yeah, you just mentioned them. I mean, Pistons, Mavericks, Raptors, Pelicans, definitely some winnable games. Four straight games at home, and then Pelicans again, the lowly Spurs, and then. Mavericks again. You'd love just to see in those seven games like a five and two, right? To come out of the shoot five and two. Perhaps the Knicks still dealing with injuries. The Sixers as well. You know, one thing I wanted to bring up, and listen, we'll have tons of Colts conversation. We have two or three clips about what Chris Ballard has said about Michael Pittman, about the franchise tag, and KB, what Michael Pittman has said as well, playing under that franchise tag, making all that money, but understanding that he still wants uh, a big-time deal, a long-term deal. I I think for me, it's worth mentioning, though, right off the top, I was amused yesterday. Now, you said something. I think locally, you're right. You you looked at me and Mark Dyke, and he said, guys, I think that the... That the, that the long-standing memory that I'll have and maybe others will have about the All-Star weekend was the flurry at the beginning of the game Sunday night with Tyrese Halliburton. And I shook my head, and I, and I agreed with you, and I still, for the most part, agree with you. I would say that's but, my memory Sunday night. I actually think Steph versus Sabrina well, Saturday was, sure. will probably be, if you want to just single out the whole weekend, but of the game... I do think it'll be the yeah, Halliburton flurry. I think what you saw with Steph and Sabrina will be something that the NBA, WNBA, women's basketball, they will build on that. As, I think that was a start of something. But I bring it up because yesterday nationally, and even some locally, I'm sure, was the hot take season on fixing the All-Star game or what the hell has happened uh, to the All-Star game. And I think nationally, while it has nothing to do with Indianapolis, the game could have been you know, in, in Dallas, in New York and it could have been anywhere that the conversation would be okay that it, it almost feels like Sunday and with Adam Silver there and his rolling of the eyes as he gave the trophy to the Eastern Conference Sunday night it feels like there was like some sort of odd breaking point does it not feel that way and I, I just got thinking about it and to me, I smiled because yesterday, you know, I'm listening to commentary. I'm listening to to Jake and Jimmy and some of the things that we said. And, and of course, nationally as well. And it's like, it reminds me a little bit, KB, of like the 65-game schedule or the 65-game threshold that I know Halliburton and other players have grumbled about. We asked Adam Silver, the commissioner of the NBA, this very thing last week. And that is, you know, the, the teams and some of the players – took advantage 
of of resting, right? I mean, we would agree with that. And, and of course, sometimes Joel Embiid this year, he is an outlier. And the Pacers have not done that, I want to be clear. But in the last three, four years, there have been teams and there have been players and there have been coaches and organizations that have taken advantage of it. And because they took advantage of it, the NBA had to go out and they had to create a rule. And listen, it was agreed upon with the CBA. And, you know, and so we've grumbled about the 65 game threshold for postseason awards and the Supermax deal with Halliburton and everything else. And I just found it interesting, the parallels of no one put a rule on the All-Star game, right? But the NBA players took advantage, and the coaches, by the way, who sat there, they took advantage of of the situation, did they not? And instead of having a game that was, yes, a lot of fun and dunks and deep threes and a lot of, you know, a lot of nonsense and backyard basketball and all that, they took advantage of it. And now we have scores in the 200s and an over under that could be at 405 and a half next year. And, you know, so the whining and crying that's happening, again, I understand, but I just kind of smiled of, now the NBA is going to have to go in and make some sort of rule or change to stop this the way they had to do it with the 65-game schedule. And I'm sure if that happens, everyone's going to be grumbling about it, whether it's next year or the year after. So uh, those are my observations, as I do think our All-Star game this weekend was a breaking point that something's going to change nationally with this game and probably with the weekend. Yeah, I just think there's no easy answer. Welcome to professional sports when you talk about an exhibition in 2024. Guys are um, making $50 million a year. Yeah, I don't think it matters there's anymore. zero incentive for them to give the sort of effort that, you know, back in my day. And trust me, I mean, hell, you don't even have to go back in my day. You know, there was a clip going around yesterday of Kobe Bryant talking about, you know, the All-Star game, you know, in his prime needing to kind of pick up some intensity, and it did. Again, the the two suggestions, which I fully acknowledge, these suggestions that I have, guys, I'm simply putting a bucket over the leak. I mean, that's that that's that's all I'm doing. I'm not, you know, fixing the leak myself. I'm simply just stopping it for the time being, or making it seem like I'm doing something. It's go NBA versus world, and bring back the Elam ending. That's the only way because you know when you watch the All Star game, I don't know if you guys felt this way. But, like, I can handle the first quarter. Okay? Yeah, this is cool. All these guys are on the floor together. You're kind of curious who's going to pass to who. Oh, there's LeBron on a dunk. Oh, man. Wow, they're really pulling up from far away. Like, I can handle the first quarter. You start to get in the second half, and you're like, dear Lord, are you still watching this, Kevin? (laughs) And you were there. (laughs) And I'm like, well, yeah, I I guess I am. So the Elam ending, if you get to the fourth quarter, again, that changes some things. Go back to Friday night. And I get the Rising Stars is different. Because those guys have yet to really establish themselves, prove they want to be playing on Sunday night, not Friday night. So their intensity level is naturally going to be higher. But I even think when you had that set score, that target score, I guess I should probably remind uh, people what the Elam ending is. It was created by Nick Elam, a Ball State professor, ironically enough. But you take the time off the... uh, off the scoreboard there, I, I think it was right at the end of the third quarter, and let's say the East is up, whatever, 160 to 145. Now the target score is 188, and the East has got to get to 188, and if the West wants to try and win the game, they obviously have got to get more points to get to 188. But it creates a little bit of the pickup game, you're playing to 21, you're playing to 11, and even us, the far, far scum of the earth when it comes to pickup <laughs> basketball, 
We've all played games where you sit there on 10 or you sit there on 20 or 19, and it's brutal trying to watch, you know, that final bucket be made. And I felt like when you had the Elam ending in the All-Star game, just for a couple years, you got some of that. Again, by no means am I acting like this is going to be a fix and you're going to get playoff game seven sort of intensity, but that would be my suggestion. I I do really like NBA versus World. You, I think you, I I think that is I mean if you look at a starting lineup, Shea Gilgis Alexander, Doncic, Jokic, Giannis, I mean all the Canadian born guys. Sure. Uh, that is an absolutely loaded starting group right there. That would be I think something that gets you a little bit closer. Of course, you probably have a lot of American players griping that there's only 12 spots for them if you did, you know, 12 USA. International I just feel like there's no reason to play a full four quarters of basketball for it. Like, can you do like, what if you do like a like five minute three on three, like ten teams of three on three, and you do it like highest scoring in the five minutes, you move on. Yeah, I feel like it's a little bit like of that. Saturday night. I think guys would then complain like, wait, there's only three of us out on the floor, so now you're asking me to do even more. But well, see, you get a bigger purse then. How about that? See, here, here's the thing, More though. money. I guess my point is I don't know the fix. In fact, mm-hmm. I'm not even totally I, – I agree with you on the elamending. I'm not – I'm not even here to hear everyone's thoughts on what they're going to fix. My point is Adam Silver wanted this to look different, and it didn't. And it's going to be a breaking point, and it reminds me a heck of a lot of four and five years ago when guys weren't playing on national, you know, on national TV, and the audience felt ripped off. That Adam Silver and the audience are going to feel ripped off, and when you feel that way, that that's when you get changed. That's when you got hey, hey, we're, you're going to play. 65 games to get this max schedule. But unless or, you go or, uh, financial salad, incentives, I know. what's the change? I mean, and, like, and I, I, I don't, just... and, I, and I don't know. That's for, you know, all of those very smart people uh, to figure out. Michael Pittman Jr., Colts football. Will he be tagged? Not will he be tagged and play under the tag. Will he be tagged and they'll figure it out in the next several weeks? Yeah, if you do you a, believe he will be tagged either today or in the next couple weeks? You're because I make do. me pick. You know, one of the will he get tagged? Will there be no tag? A long term deal? Will there be neither of that? You know, hit the open market on March 13th. I'd probably say he will be tagged. And this again might be a little bit far fetched. And we can get into this more as the show moves along. But I hinted at this yesterday. Andy, if you believe there is a faint possibility for a big splash this offseason, tagging Pittman is probably the route to go. Again, you could tag him. You then have a, what is it? Is it a six-month window? I think it goes till July. So I guess a five-month window, five-ish month window, where you have that time period to get a long-term deal done. Well, in that five-month window, what happens? Free agency plays out. Yep. The draft plays out. Yep. If you do see any kind of marquee, marquee moves, that happens really after this two-week franchise tag window. So if you don't want to lock yourself in on a four-year, $100 million deal, if you want some wiggle room, and again, I know this is, a, this is really far-fetched to start thinking about it like this, but if you think there's a possibility for you to insert yourself into some mega trade, you don't necessarily want to have that type of deal you know, locked into your books moving forward. You'd much rather have the one-year $20.7 million, and then you can maneuver how you choose with Michael Pittman Jr., and the rest of your roster there. And I say that, and, I, and I'm curious if Joel would agree with this when he joins us again. Joel Erickson from the Star coming up at 9 o'clock. 
Chris Ballard has never been one to do things early. Like he is a okay. When's the deadline? All right, I'll probably wait till the final freaking minute. He's an he's a deadline spurs action type of guy, and and, <laughs> and he's also just a if I don't have to do it, why should I do it? Right. Like it, it, it just corners you early. Like today's the start of the franchise. So it's going to be window. in two weeks when he'll franchise tag Michael Pittman Jr. I'm like, well, I guess I have an article in the can ready to go, but <laughs> it's probably not going to post till March 5th. One zero seven five thefancom Sure. So I, I that's where I also feel like Ballard views it as if I don't have to do it by the end of the tag window, or excuse me, if I don't have to give him a long-term deal until mid-July, then why should I do it right now? Now, the devil's advocate to that would be, well, Michael Pittman Jr. might sit out the offseason program because he's got no no long-term guarantees on the contract, and that would mean Anthony Richardson, back from injury, is working without his number one wideout. So that's where you can get into a little devil's advocate. So I think it's an interesting debate. It's something that we'll see, obviously, play out again. Two-week window, starting today. Ballard and Steichen scheduled to meet the media next week at the Combine. We'll see if Ballard you know, has any sort of hint at where they're leaning, if this is a storyline still then. But we are about to start to get some news on the Colts. And this is obviously the biggest news item of the offseason. And it's really the first time, Andy, we have talked about it realistically in quite some time, considering the tag makes sense uh, for once. And again, you still have other guys on that list. Grover Stewart, Kenny Moore. Julian Blackman, that I don't think qualify for the franchise tag, but still, they are some interesting names to watch for as free agency gets here in a couple of weeks. Now, we don't know when Ballard and Steichen are meeting with the uh, gas bag media for there. For some in reason, Indi- a week from today is popping okay. in my head, but maybe I misread that. I, I, I'd have to double check that. It's well, you're going to have to be out there. I mean, we're not out there until Wednesday. What if they talk on Tuesday? I know. Well, I, I thought, I, I don't know, maybe we need to uh, meet and, and, and take a look at that schedule again. I feel like they usually meet before the prospects You know, start to do yeah, their way. Sure. And the prospects are Thursday. It, it's wild. I think it's always been Wednesdays, usually. It's wild. I think the Combine's already here. Now, we've been turned down uh, for your boy Matt Eberflus already, Mark. Yeah. Is that what I hear? They politely declined. But it was a polite decline. Yeah. It's like when I got out of the I got you, you like this. I got out of college and I sent a bunch of NFL teams. I'm pretty sure the Colts were one of them. But I remember I sent them my resume when I got out of college. Like I was going to send a resume. And I got a couple back, including the New York Giants sent me oh, one back. Oh, wow. I'm trying to remember if the Colts did. The Bengals did and a few others. No wonder it, you've remained a Giants it, fan it, over it the years. It was a polite uh, thank you. We'll keep this on file in case mm-hmm. I'm sure, a job right. opportunity pops up. But I, I can't wait to get down there on Wednesday. And they, they speak on Tuesday. Hell, we'll be out there on Tuesday at the uh, the NFL Combine. Maybe the they still have your resume on file. Yeah, maybe like, they do. Hey, I we need follow a, up. We need media relations. This Andy Sweeney sent in <laughs> oh, some 20 God. years ago. Let's dust this one off. The events continue here in Indy again. <laughs> about a week from today, you'll start to see some action pick up at the Combine. Prospects a little bit later in the week. 300 and I think 21, I think that was the official number the NFL announced last week. Tonight, locally, hoop-wise, it's a big one for Thad Mata and the Butler Bulldogs. They are a six-and-a-half-point underdog at Villanova. If you look at Butler right now, I think still kind of on the right side of the bubble, but it's close. And if you look at Villanova and you look at Seton Hall, that's what Butler has this week. At Nova tonight, at Seton Hall this weekend, Seton Hall and Nova, both teams probably just outside looking in. So if you're Butler and you can get a split, again, two games on the road against bubble teams, if you can get one of these two, that would go a long, long way. You lose both, 
There's not a lot left in the Big East regular season. You're probably going to have to get some work done. I would say Madison Square Garden with how conference tournaments are nowadays. I have no idea if it's there or not. The, the, the Big East is kept at Madison Square Garden, right? Uh, yeah, they haven't the, gone Barclays the, Center they, on us, have they? I, I believe so, yes. It moves around so much that I actually have absolutely no idea. But the big thing was the Big East wanted to stay in as other conferences tried to butt their way into the uh, to Madison and Square big Garden. And 10 men yeah. are at the Target Center, right? Yes. So yes. don't get your hopes up for that here in Indy. It is in Minneapolis this season coming up. In a few weeks. So Butler Nova tonight at 630. That first one was a thriller. Double OT win at Hinkle for Thad Mod. A very important game for his squad tonight. I am Kevin Bowen. He's Andy Sweeney. Mark Dykton on the ones and twos. Rick Carlisle at eight. Joel A. Erickson talking Michael Pittman Jr. in the Colts offseason at nine. Thank you for potentially starting your week with us here on this Tuesday morning. 935 <laughs> The Morning Checkdown, brought to you by the Barbasol Horizon League Basketball Championships. March starts here at the Indiana Farmers Coliseum, March 11th and 12th. All right, probably, let's get to our Morning Checkdown. Rick Carlisle at 8 o'clock. We were talking during the break, probably where uh, Kevin Bowen and I uh, disagree the most. I love these 6.30 games for Butler basketball in the Big East. You know, Earlier the better for your boy here. Butler at Villanova tonight. Uh, six and a half point dogs are Thad Mata's crew. I I was surprised by that, but, you know, I mean, coming off losing three out of four, it's a big one. ESPN's predictor, KB, 82.7% chance Villanova wins uh, tonight. So a big one for Butler on the road. Villanova, Fox Sports 1, coming your way at 630. Boy, big week, two road games against teams squarely on the bubble, which is probably what you can say about Butler right now. Again, at Nova, at Seton Hall, if you look at the rest of the regular season schedule, and it makes sense, Butler's gone through a gauntlet here the last few weeks. There's not a lot left there for the resume, so it's important to get, I think, one of these two. I think if you do that, you should still be on the right side of the bubble entering the Big East tournament, but a huge one. 6.30 tip. Picture Rosie just yelling at the under-four timeout in the second half, trying to stay up for another 20 minutes tonight. Cannot wait for that. Uh, Purdue drops to number three in the polls. Houston, who beat Iowa State last night, they jumped the Boilermakers of Purdue. So again, number three in that ranking. They will be off until Thursday. It is a uh, rematch with Rutgers from Mackey. Rutgers has actually played a little bit better basketball here as of late. Indiana back in action tomorrow night against Nebraska. Boy, those Mike Woodson uh, inside IU basketball quotes last night. Uh, It is quite the listen reading some of those quotes there. You talk about a lack of accountability. He keeps on saying... Like, what would you expect? We don't have our point guard. Does someone want to fill him in on the record with Xavier Johnson this season? Yeah, I mean, if he's trying to use Xavier Johnson as the reason the seasons went haywire, good luck with that. Eight and six basketball team with Xavier Johnson. Does someone want to fill him in on uh, Penn State coming in their building without their leading score and winning a few weeks ago? Uh, Northwestern missing a double-digit point score on Sunday and coming into their building and winning there. Uh, yeah, certainly quite the head-scratching quotes from Mike Woodson. It does not, speaking of Xavier Johnson, does not sound like uh, anything this week possible for his return. Maybe something here in the next couple of weeks. Could I give you one more? I'm reading uh, from my guy Alex Bozich at Inside the Hall. Mike Woodson, this is a quote from Mike Woodson on the uniforms they wore on Sunday, okay? Uh, they weren't great uniforms. Here it is. 
I have no control over that. I'm about wearing our white uniforms at home like we've done for 40-something years when I was here. That was kind of out of my hands. We won't wear that uniform again the rest of the season. I had nothing to do with it. Am I nitpicking? Okay, first of all, I think the majority of IU fans agree with him, okay? Especially older fans would agree with him. But can I just say just for a second, you know, Adidas does fund the athletic department. That's all I wanted to say is for Mike Woodson, Adidas is funding a lot of the things that go on there uh, within the athletic department and your team. So, you know, once in a while you have to fake it. This is one of those moments where you might have to fake it. And that's all I wanted to so say. So confused by what the coaches were wearing on Sunday there. But that's where we're at right now with the Hoosiers. Shout out to William Byron. Um, I've always thought when I've heard the name William Byron that's that he was name. like uh, the president of an SEC frat, to be honest with you. Uh, he wins the Daytona 500 <laughs> under yellow uh, last night. Uh, all of a sudden, I'm sitting there, and the highlights start popping in my Twitter feed with about nine to go. Oh, the yeah. big one. Isn't that what they call it? Oh, yeah. 22 car wreck there. Uh, Ross Chastain, Austin Sendrick, uh, wrecked there late in the race, which allowed, or I said, I should probably say, kept William Byron in the lead there. So. William Byron just sounds like one of the inventors of golf. That's the name I think of when I hear that name. Byron Nelson there? Yeah. No, I, I just think of William Byron. I just think straight SEC frat. I think of old royalty. Yeah, sure. that's what I you think of is just old royalty. I did just type in William uh, Byron's name, and the first thing that came up, is it time we give William Byron the respect he deserves? Thank God we don't have to talk about that. That's the that. hot take on NASCAR <laughs> Serious Radio here. NASCAR uh, hot takes. Thank God we don't have to talk Tuesday about that. On Tuesday morning. Uh, two quick coaching That'd be things. if we were still in COVID, we'd have those talks. <laughs> uh, the Brooklyn Nets firing Jock Vaughn uh, at the end of the All-Star weekend. Kevin Ollie. Good God. Kevin Ollie has won a, a I championship about at UConn. Kevin Ollie. Well, he won a championship at UConn. He got a show cause. He sued UConn. They went through a legal battle there. He couldn't get a job. Then he got a job running. Which one was it? It was one of the G League teams. Uh, he was running that, and then Jacques Vaughn brings him in, and now he ends up being, uh, at least now, the interim head coach there in Brooklyn. They're a complete mess. And Tommy Lloyd, at the, we've talked so much about other coaches, what you know, what happens to Mike Woodson, etc. Tommy Lloyd there in Arizona gets a big-time contract extension as well. Did want to give a shout-out to Indy's own, and I know somebody we've talked about with Thad Mata. You see Mike Conley inking a two-year deal. I did see that, yeah. just north of $20 million. We're him. talking about a 30 six-year-old in year 17, you know, the Minnesota Timberwolves are leading the Western Conference. Conley is a huge part of their operation and obviously blending a lot of youth with his presence there. I was listening to Chris Finch, their head coach, on with JMV actually before Mm -hmm. the All-Star game, and he could not be gushing more about Conley and the fact that this is a no-nights-off type of guy. You know, I remember when we talked with Thad Mata few weeks ago about Conley. He's like, man, I, I remember walking into the gym. First time I saw him after about five minutes, I thought to myself, wait, is he right-handed or is he <laughs> left-handed? It's really one of the... Yeah, but that's a, that's a left-hand person thing. Great attributes from yeah. Conley that has made him such a long, long-tenure point guard in the league. So he is going to be nearing year 20 in the NBA if he is able to continue to play out that contract. So pretty darn impressive by the LN product. All right, on the other side again, Rick Carlisle going to join us at the top of the hour. Aaron Neesmith updates. Pacers back to practice later today. Where are they at with 26 to go 
We'll chat with him about that. On the other side, it could be, and it is, the start of an important two-week stretch. Today could be the start of it, but certainly a two-week stretch uh, for the franchise tag. Where do things stand? Why should the Colts use the tag on Michael Pittman Jr.? What would that mean if they Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Do. We'll chat about that next. You know, I heard that commercial there with Kevin Bowen talking about Cluster Truck. Uh, just remember, that's going to be in here in the 8 o'clock hour. How about that? Mm-hmm. Feel good Stomach's about myself. Growling. Uh, it needs to. I went, I went healthier this time, KB. I went with uh, this, the uh, the Caesar chicken wrap. Didn't you do that last week? I went crispy uh, crispy. Wrap. Maybe that's Very what good. I went with. Yeah. Very good. On I'm that, saying man. that's uh, healthier. I'm not sure if exactly uh, if it is or not. Rick Carlisle going to join us coming up at 8 o'clock. If Aaron Neesmith is out, uh, and if he is out for how long, we'll dive into that conversation with him. The All-Star Weekend, Halliburton, Matherin, Miles Turner all around doing a bunch of great things. So we'll talk with the head coach of the of, of your Indiana Pacers coming up here in about 20 minutes. Uh, Michael Pittman, we have some sound we want to play, but just general thoughts as this opens the window where he can be franchise tagged. It won't be any of the other tags that are out there, although we can talk about that. But, you know, the franchise tag, if you look at ESPN or CBS or anything else, and they kind of go through each team. Hey, here's a guy that could be tagged. You know, the Giants could tag Saquon Barkley or, you know, will the Kansas City Chiefs tag Chris Jones and bring him back for well over $30 million. I think it was like 32 mil I I saw per year. Or will they finally, you know, it's been over a year, year and a half. Will they figure out something long-term with Chris Jones? You know, you mentioned Chris Ballard in the first segment. You mentioned Chris Ballard. You know, if he has all the way until June to do something, why would he do it now? And, you know, I got thinking during the break, it's not a, you know, will Pittman be tagged? I almost view it as... When will Pittman be tagged? And he absolutely should because I think you mentioned two things. They have some flexibility here. Now, if they bring back Pittman at a big number and Grover Stewart at a big number and Kenny Moore at a nice number and uh, the draft class that you'll bring in and maybe a small free agent here or there, veteran that you can add, maybe a wide receiver corner, we shall see, uh, you're going to fill up that cap space pretty quick. So it's not like you're going to go out and, and get a Chris Jones or do some high bid shopping along the way. But you mentioned if you wait until, you know, if you wait a few months here, you have combine and draft, and then you have the start of free agency as well. And while you may have a good handle on how some of this KB is going to shake out, you truly don't know when the draft evaluation process and conversation really is now just picking up. So I bring all that up that, you know, it's not will they, it's, you know, we could ask, should they? They absolutely should uh, put the tag on Pittman. It gives them time and it gives them ultimate flexibility if there is, and we've said this with the Pacers now for the last several weeks, if there is a big swing that is out there, it leaves you flexibility to look into that. And you don't know how the draft is going to 
shake out. You don't know who is going to be available there at 15. You don't know if there's someone right there at 13. You say, hey, let's move up a spot or two uh, to try to get this particular player. And of course, wide receiver would be on that list. So uh, I think it's common sense. I think you tag him. It gives you time. Uh, He may not listen. The bugaboo is he may not be there uh, for some of the offseason stuff. Can you live with that? I think that's something they probably will be able to live with knowing that when, you know, the time comes, Michael Pittman will be there. Yeah, and I would add one more thing. You know, you talk about wiggle room, and you mentioned, okay, who could be there at 15, who could be there at 13. You never know when all of a sudden a Tennessee Titan, hey, A.J. Brown's for sale, you know, pops up. And those are some of the wiggle room things that I'm talking about here with tagging Pittman and then leaving that window until mid-July. I guess before a long-term deal, uh, before that deadline, Comes. I, I think the franchise tag can be confusing for some people, so I think it's good that we just lay out exactly what it would mean. Again, in the next two weeks, starting today, you have a window to use the franchise tag. If you tag him on the exclusive tag, that is a one-year contract just north of $20 million for the 2024 season. You would keep him out of the open market, which again, free agency begins March 13th. You would then have until mid-July to get a long-term deal done right before the start of training camp. If you don't tag him by March 5th, the end of this two-week window, that means you've got eight days left until free agency starts to get a deal done. If he, if you don't get a deal done with him in that eight-day window, then all of a sudden he hits the open market and he is free to sign wherever he wants. So I want to start there. Now, again, Andy, I like the idea of a tag and then you let free agency play out You let the draft play out, which is in late April, but as soon as that calendar flips to May, 98% of the major offseason stuff in the NFL is done. Right. Free agency, trades, the draft. That start of May, that's when I get the long-term deal done. Because then what does that allow? When you get to mid-May and the offseason program picks up and 7-on-7 and 11-on-11 and OTAs and eventual minicamp, That's when you get it done, the voluntary portion. Michael Pittman now has a long-term deal, and he looks at it and says, oh, okay, I've got a few more guarantees that are now out into 2025, 2026, 2027, et cetera, et cetera. All participate. Because I do think it's important for Anthony Richardson to have his top guy out there for 13 off-season sessions there. Uh, And and that's the hiccup for guys on the tag. You saw it last year with Saquon Barkley. You know, I know Jonathan Taylor wasn't tagged, but it was kind of a similar situation. Guys that know that a long-term deal is coming, they don't want to get out there until the long-term deal and pen to paper has been put on. Yeah, it. and I don't blame them either. They don't I, want to risk no, it. And, I and you know, Pittman it. has been the definition of of consistent and sure. durable and reliable. So he, to me, deserves the benefit of the doubt in whatever you know, waiting on that. And I have little doubt that when it's time, he's going to show up. But still, it's important for Richardson's development to um, have him out there. I know some people will push back a little bit and say, you know, what makes you think all of a sudden Chris Bauer is going to pay this type of money for a whiteout? And I get that it's more money. Granted, the salary cap continues to rise, so I don't think the contracts, even from two years ago, look exactly the same as they do now. But Andy, he's paid non-premium positions before, whether it's Shaq Leonard, whether it's Jonathan Taylor, I mean, like, so if you're paying those sorts of spots, 
you better pay the premium. We well, just paid the running back, and the running, I mean, it's the most taboo thing ever is to give the kind of contract he gave to Jonathan Taylor. In the entire league, that's a position you don't give that money to. Well, and again, whiteout to me, it matters more, and it especially matters more when you have Anthony Richardson. Oh, it's magnified in this so, offense, no doubt. I also sit here and think to myself, Ballard has not let a lot of quality draft picks of his own walk. I mean, at Again, maybe a better question for Joel Erickson when he joins us coming up at 9. But outside of like Bobby Okereke, which I think was just kind of a numbers game, I, I can't recall too many good draft picks the Colts have had. He under played Ballard. 100% of the snaps, by the way, last year. Yeah, I mean, year. very. He, he's a good player, Very man. fine player, but yeah. again, yeah, when, but you're Leonard, when you're paying Leonard, when you're paying Franklin, sure. when you're paying well, EJ And they Speed. drafted well. Look at, look at who they've been. I mean, they were able to get rid of him and Shaq Leonard, and they moved on, and they set a franchise record in sacks this year. So that's where I also just feel like there isn't really a case study where they've let a quality player that they've drafted walk. Could Michael Pittman Jr. have more production? Certainly. But Michael Pittman Jr.'s agent, the first thing he would say to the Colts would be like, hey, will you show me a list of quarterbacks my client has played with for your football team? And and will you tell me what you have thought about those quarterbacks? Which is probably the more important thing. (laughs) Sure. Okay, because his four starting QBs, and when you talk primary starters, Phillip Rivers, Carson Wentz, Matt Ryan. Gardner Minshew. Gardner Minshew. Yeah, Gardner Minshew. I know. Andy, that is one year, that is one year, one year, and one year. Like, So, again, could his production be higher? Sure. But also, he's played with a lot of guys that the Indianapolis Colts have said largely. The Rivers one is probably the biggest debate. The other three, Colts don't want those dudes anymore. They don't want those dudes to be the starter, certainly. Gardner Minshew could be back as the backup, but... um, so yeah, I, I just I don't think there's a great plan B at all. So that's why I've been so steadfast in keeping Pittman, uh, probably tagging him just because it leaves you a little bit of flexibility. It, it won't I won't fret too much if they all of a sudden hand him a long term deal tomorrow, Andy. Four years, ninety six million. I won't lose sleep over it, but it does probably eliminate a little wiggle wiggle room for you if something big arises in the next couple months. Yeah, Pittman has all the leverage in this relationship, my man. Uh, I mean, you can just, you know, you've said with some of the Grover Stewart stuff or Blackman, hey, go ahead and, and pop on that Texans tape. Go ahead and pop on that Atlanta Falcons ooh, tape. Ooh, stop. <laughs> I mean, that Atlanta game and Pittman being what out What were Alex is, Pierce and DJ yeah, Montgomery's numbers Dude, in those I mean, games? like, legit, that's one of the reasons they missed the postseason. You know, Pittman gets injured in the Pittsburgh game, has a concussion. It's scary as hell. He's out. Uh, here's Michael Pittman. This is the last day this is cleaning out the lockers. Obviously, uh, you were there. Reporters were there, and they asked him about the franchise tag. Here's what he had to say. Well, I mean, I mean, the franchise tag, I mean, like, I don't think anybody would be displeased with $23 million, but, um, but um, I mean, like, I don't even really, really, really know. I mean, the franchise tag is, like, just, like, it's almost like a um, – tag or respect obviously because you get paid in the top five like of your position but do I necessarily want to play on one like I wouldn't say necessarily uh, no I do not want to play on a tag but um, you can use that to work towards a long term deal as well yeah see I think that's good from Pittman he's conflicted he's like it's a lot of money right now but I also don't have a long term deal but we could figure one out let me ask you this if you I don't think we've ever talked about it from this respect and by the way Rick Carlisle in 10 minutes here on the wake up call on the fan there is a conversation out there. If you if you Google this, you will see a lot of Michael Pittman kind of wants to see his worth on the open market. Do you believe that? 
Uh, or is that just one of those things that you say in a negotiation so you make sure Ballard comes correct with the wallet? Does I, that make sense? Yeah, I, I can believe it. I mean, his dad is a 10-year running back in the NFL. I mean, yeah, I think guys want to see what their market looks like. Well, I think we all would be foolish and naive to act like us in those similar situations wouldn't. So how does it change this situation, but, I guess? again, the Colts are in control. The franchise tag is a tool, and it's an advantageous tool for the team in that you know, Michael Pittman Jr. is a second-round pick out of four-year deal. So he's under team control for four years. And... If the Colts want to, he's under team control for a fifth year. Right. Now, again, they have to pay a lot more. But You would have to pay a lot right. more. Josh but Jacobs, Saquon Barkley, they both could have that happen to him this season. That's the franchise tag weapon being so advantageous for teams versus the player. It delays the long-term money for the player. That's why the player doesn't like it. But as Pittman says there, it's a lot okay, of money. I am compensated yeah. pretty handsomely for one year there. I thought Pittman's answer, it's a was, great answer. Was, a, was a great answer. By the way, I went back and looked at that Falcons game. <laughs> oh my god three catches 39 yards was the leading receiver that's what i'm going with so the combined production from <laughs> alec pierce and dj montgomery that day is the outside wideouts they played 132 offensive snaps oh my okay? god they were targeted 11 times in the game four total <laughs> catches for 38 yards oh so i was close and if i'm not mistaken i'm looking at the final drive of the game here like Pierce catches one for 15 yards with 41 mm-hmm. seconds to go. The score is 29 to 10. Yeah, yeah, it was a blowout. Yeah. So, I, like, it, so even does that then, even count? Yeah, yeah I'm you, with you. It's like Mackenzie and Baco knocked in two threes the other night. Like, do they really count towards what Michael Woodson's team did? So again, I said three for 39, and it was four for 38. That's pretty good, man. That's a good memory. That that is very very impressive. Is Pittman Jr. a number one? Is he a top eight wide on the league? No, but. Is he a number one for your operation? Hell yeah. And again, what is plan B? That's the question. We did that exercise last week, Andy. Of I tweeted out to our audience when I wrote a story on Pittman Jr. I asked this in all seriousness. If you let him walk, what is a realistic plan B for this team? And it's difficult. It's very difficult for me or even our audience out there, followers, et cetera, et cetera, to give me something that all of a sudden I sleep better at night. It's not the ideal corner to be backed into. In a perfect world, Andy, Alec Pierce would maybe have had, you know, six for 130 that day, and he would be a 900-yard guy. And again, Pierce can play the same game that Pittman can play and say, look at the quarterbacks that I've played with. Um, But still, I just don't see anything that makes me sleep better at night. Uh, Randy Mueller of The Athletic. Didn't you beef with him over yeah. an article maybe two weeks like ago? like wideouts weren't important because Patrick <laughs> Mahomes and Travis Kelsey won a Super Bowl. Well, here you go. He has Michael Pittman. He ranked his top, I guess, 100. He ranked his top uh, NFL free agents. This is up on The Athletic. He actually has Pittman at 32, and he has Pittman ahead of guys like Mike Evans, Josh Reynolds, and T. Higgins. It's the first time I've – usually these lists have Higgins over Pittman. Whether you like it or not, usually Higgins, you know, he's a little bit more of a flash guy, uh, but he's been dealing with some injuries. I would take Pittman over Higgins. I think Higgins gets the franchise tag as well. What is the latest on Aaron Neesmith? Where are the Pacers at? Returning from the All-Star break, Rick Carlisle joins us next. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. 
Good Michael Pittman conversation. You miss any of that, 1075thefan.com franchise tag. We'll see what happens there. We'll stick with that story uh, as we go today. Joel A. Erickson will join us coming up at 9 a.m. from the Indianapolis Star. Well, it's a Tuesday. You know what that means. It's 8 o'clock on a Tuesday. Rick Carlisle joining the show here, Pacers head coach on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Coach, uh, a good morning to you. I guess between traveling and hanging out with the family uh, and everything else, else how much did you get to see of all-star weekend your guys uh, showed out pretty well there over the weekend what did you make of all the views from indianapolis well, that was great i saw the majority of it on tv and uh you know miles and uh, ben and tyrese did great in the skills uh ty, ty was great in the all-star game um and it just it just looked like indy really uh, repped extremely, extremely well um, as a city, as a as a hosting uh, city, um, and you know it was it was great. I you know I mean so many good things going on. Does Rick Carlisle care that the game uh, was in the two hundreds? <laughs> that the East that the East had over two hundred points. Do you care at all about that? That was that was the big national discussion yesterday, Rick. Yeah, I I don't know. I mean, yeah. Um, you know, you, you want you want scoring in an All Star game, right? I mean, and I understand all the discussion about the you know what the game looks like and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but you know, I I don't know. Seven eight years ago, did, did anybody think we'd be seeing guys routinely pulling up from half court and? Wishing jump shots. I mean, it's pretty spectacular, you know, if you really think about it. Rick Carlisle is with us here. Pacers back to practice uh, later today and Thursday night. Pacers and Pistons as they get their final 26 games started here at, in the second half, more like the final third of the season. Uh, Coach, uh, how is Aaron Neesmith doing? What's your expectation with him after uh, he got hurt uh, in that Toronto game? Uh, he's doing better um don't know you know exactly what this is going to look like in the next three days but um you know I, I think the good news was it looked like it could have been a, a really really bad injury when it happened um his reaction the way he hit the floor et cetera, et cetera it's it's looking uh like like an more like an ankle injury uh, than anything having to do with a leg or anything else. So that's good news. And uh, in terms of timetable, don't know. Don't, not sure if you know Thursday's uh, a possibility or not. Uh, we certainly hope it, it, it is. Um, but if it isn't, we're not going to push it. I mean, he's too important to us. He's having a he's having a great year. Uh, you know, amazing levels of efficiency on offense and one of our best defensive players and and one of our good rebounders as well. So, you know, we'll hope for the best and kind of see more of what's what when we get in there today. Will you manage Tyrese at all this week in a particular way as, you know, he obviously did a whole lot, not only activity-wise on the floor, but was a busy, busy man off the floor as well uh, this past weekend? Well, he... He is uh, not required to practice today um, as a, an all-star game participant. So um, 
we'll figure out the best thing to do there. I, um, my guess is that uh, he will participate in some treatment, some strength stuff, maybe a little bit of light shooting, but I do not expect him to practice today. I don't think it would be a good idea. Um, you know, from afar, I'm... <laughs> I'm watching a lot of this stuff on Instagram and it seemed like he was everywhere all the time. And so, um, he's got to be tired, um, but we got to get him ready for Thursday because, you know, Thursday is the beginning of a very important stretch for us and we obviously need him. Rick Carlisle, Pacers head coach, joining us here on the Wake Up Call on the fan. He joins us uh, Tuesdays, 8 o'clock on the Payless Liquors Hotline. So we've been through Neesmith and obviously Halliburton. And one guy I'm so interested to ask you about is Benedict Matherin. You know, last week, a, a week ago, last Tuesday, coach, you said to us, you know, his his health was worrying you. He had the leg injury, had the, the illness obviously going around the team. And then, boy, this weekend, he looked like he got some of that pop back, whether it be on Friday night. You know, the Rising Stars game, winning that, and he was just out and about in Indianapolis. Uh, what did you make watching him this weekend, and uh, how do you think he is feeling, and how vital is he uh, for you guys the final 26 games? It does seem like, you know, the last couple weeks he's been up and down with health. Hey, 20 years old, he looked fine to me this weekend. <laughs> what do you want to say? I think he needed the couple of days off. Um, you know, including the Toronto game at Toronto. Um, but talking to uh, Josh yesterday a little bit about where guys were, um, it seems like uh, Ben's feeling much better. Whatever happened in the New York game, I know we broke that news last week that, you know, he was probably going to miss the game on, on Wednesday. Whatever happened in New York, um, that led to, you know, him just not looking himself in Charlotte. I, mean, I, I think I, I, my sense is that, you know, that that's resolved itself pretty well. So, um, you know, I expect him to be a full participant in practice today, unless I hear otherwise. Um, and, uh, you know, all our guys are important. I mean, look what Shepard did in the, <laughs> in the Toronto game. I mean, you want to talk about the importance of depth in the NBA? I mean, here's a guy that has not been in the primary rotation really at all this year, but in the fourth quarter, he hits two big threes. He got the big stop on Barrett on the last play of the game. And uh, so, yes, uh, Ben's important. You know, Shep's important. I mean, all these guys are important. We're probably going to need some of our two-way guys to be ready to practice today as well. Coach, not to get too personal, but you said you were checking out Instagram. I want to throw you a follow. If so, is is this your own Instagram account that you were perusing over All-Star Weekend? Uh, gosh, I don't know if, what I'm allowed to say here about this, but... Um, yeah, I know I, I have an account. It doesn't have my name on it, but I, I, I have it so I could follow Abby and, and follow our players and stuff like that. And, uh, so yeah, so that's, that's kind of it. Rick Carlisle here scrolling through Instagram over All-Star <laughs> well, Weekend. Now, now, now I'm trying to find, is it, you know, Pacers man 15 or what? And now I'm trying to find I don't find think you're going to get no. any reveal <laughs> I don't on think so that. Either. Again, Pacers back to practice today, coming up Thursday night. Uh, a lot of home games out of uh, the All-Star break. It'll be the Pistons on Thursday. Uh, Coach, you kind of said it. It's so many appearances for Tyrese Halliburton over All-Star Weekend. Um, one I was listening to, he was on with uh, J.J. Redick, and 
uh, they started talking about kind of in game and you, you know, calling out a set from the sidelines. And at times, you've given Tyrese and I, I believe all of your point guards, if I heard Tyrese correct, authority to kind of trump you if they see something that whatever is 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 different than you're observing. Or I forget exactly how Tyrese worded it. When did that like occur to you as, as a coach? Has that always been something you've done for two decades of letting your point guards I, trump you, for lack of a better word? And, and how did it come that you know all of these guys uh, have that uh, have that authority with you? Well, two words: Jason Kidd. Um, when he was uh, when I was with him in Dallas the first year, we got off to kind of an uneven start the first year, and our our, our season turned when it just became obvious to me that, you know, uh, the best thing for us was to have him do the play calling, do the really orchestration of the offense. Um, Jason had such a great feel for his teammates. He was like a scientist out there. You know, he just, uh, he he could just (laughs) control the game. And, and Tyrese has the same, has the same abilities. Um, And, you know, something happens. Something happened in the Toronto game that was that was uh, a great example of this. And you know, I I called something that you know had been a good action for us, um, and it was you know a, a play where there's a ball screen and 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 Nemhard's handling and and Tyrese is a screener. On part of the ball, on part of the ball screening action, it's kind of a misdirection type thing, and it's because teams play Tyrese so closely. Um, a lot of times, you know, he's like Steph Curry; it it turns into a, like a double screen, and somebody gets wide open. Well, <laughs> this is the fourth quarter. Like this is when the game is really on the line. I mean, this is I don't know whether you know tie game or maybe we're down two or something. I mean, we were fighting back the whole time in the Toronto game. And, you know, as a coach, you just, you know, you, you gain a feel for these kinds of things. And, you know, the year we won our championship in Dallas, um, our, our year developed into a year where we were just playing the game. We were making very few play calls. Like, in the finals against Miami, Miami was so good defensively that if you tried to run something where people like started in certain spots and it looked like a regular NBA set, I mean, they would just blow it up. And so we just became the, the, the random team. But anyway, in this instance, <laughs> you know, Nimhart comes off and, and, and the, <laughs> throwing the ball out of bounds, you know? So, I'm thinking to myself, oh, geez, you know, so I, I said, I, I'm just going to let these, I'm going to let Tyrese just run this thing at the end. And he and he and Pascal got together and they just, they, they found some situations that turned into positive situations. And the last couple resulted in Pascal making, you know, he made one really difficult shot on that kind of that right elbow area. And then the last one, he rejected a screen and, and had the floater uh, on the left baseline, which in effect turned out to be the game-winning shot. So, you know, that's that's an example of it. You know, sometimes your team needs help. Um, sometimes, you know, it's best to stay the hell out of the way. And so um, that's kind of that's 
kind of the best example I can give you of something recently that happened. Uh, Rick Carlisle with us here. Payless Liquors Hotline, Pacers head coach. Was it day one you give that authority to your point guard and Tyrese Halliburton, or how long did it take for that kind of relationship and trust? When did that click? Was it last year, this year? When did you give him, uh, I guess, autonomy? Yeah, with him, it was pretty much day one, yeah. I mean, I, I knew that we were getting a franchise caliber point guard and sure. It, it, you know, it's it's just it's important um, to you know to show that trust right off the bat. Um, and he was coming into a new circumstance. I was aware of what Sacramento had been doing with their system, and you know, Ty Ty was uh, kind of the starting two guard for for Sacramento. Like he had he and Fox started together, so he would kind of start playing off the ball and then, you know, they then when Fox would go out he would play point and then but they also had Davion Mitchell, so it was kind of a I don't know that he was ever the full fledged point guard there, but with us, that's that's who he was and that's what we needed. And so, you know, it was just uh it was a nod to my belief in him right off the bat. And uh you know, it's it, 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 you know, it's like that it's like that commercial about, you know, hey, we need a hit. Uh, should I put in J- Derek Jeter or this, you know, seven-year-old, or should I pick Barkley or this other kid over here? You know, it's like, you know, the, the easiest decision in the history of decisions, you know. So, um, and obviously it's worked out well. <laughs> I would say I, so. I would say so. Needless <laughs> to say, it has, yes. <laughs> Rick Carlisle with us here on the Payless Slickers Hotline. Again, back from the All-Star break. Pacers will get on the practice floor later today. Coach, you mentioned some of your two-way guys being ready to practice today. Um, I don't know how much you got to watch Jarris Walker, you know, obviously from you know video when he played out uh, west with the G League team here a couple weeks ago. It looked like he had some you know nice games. What, what did you either hear? What did you observe with your own eyes from him and uh, his uh, latest progression? A lot of growth, a lot of progress, um, a lot of uh, really, you know, evolution of, uh, of approach to each game. Um, I think I mentioned this to you guys, you know, maybe it was last show, maybe it was two shows ago, but you know, I, I talked to him, Lloyd, Lloyd Pierce and I uh, talked to Jairus. Like, you know, Lloyd's kind of the liaison between the uh, G League team and our team. Um, he does a lot of the uh, a lot of the scheduling, you know, we talk about it, et cetera, but he comes up with, you know, the I- ideas of what's needed. And, you know, Jair- Jairus had had uh, – he had some – you know, uneven um, situations. You know, where he, he played okay, um, but he was feel he was feeling like, you know, he, he felt like it was a punishment that he was going to play with these guys. And we explained to him that look, this is this is the opportunity that you need, and here's how you need to look at it. You know, uh, this is a growth thing. Um, this is a maturity thing. You've got to look at this like this is your team and it's your responsibility to put these guys on your back and not just score points, but to lead and to engage with your, with the coaching staff and to 
find ways to win games. And so I, it's interesting you ask this because I, I ran into Tom Hankins um, yesterday. He's the coach of the Jews. He does a great job. Um, and I said, Tom, how 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 uh, how did it go with Jarris? It looked like you know uh, from some of the stuff I saw in statistics. And he said he said in these in these four games he was a different person. He was a different player. Um, he was a leader of the team. Um, he went to every optional shoot. Um, he competed. He he he, uh, he, he got together like competitive things during the optional shoots and stuff like that. And look, this is, this is the kind of growth that you need. And this is why the G league is so important. And so um, he'll be back today. He'll be practicing today. Um, And, you know, this, this kind of progress uh, puts him in a, in a better position to help us, you know, if needed this year. Um, But it just shows maturity it shows that you know he's he's understanding what this is all about, and the thing that I've told him you know all along this year is that you know time flies by you know and this year is going to go by quickly, and if he and if he doesn't take advantage of this opportunity, I mean he's letting something um, very valuable pass him by, and 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 now it's clear that that he is getting it, and um, this is helping him a lot. Coach, we'll end with this. As always, we appreciate your time. Um, back to practice later today. What was the favorite thing? I know you were a busy man, a lot of family time over the last week or so. What was the favorite activity that Rick Carlisle did during his All-Star break? Well, as I, as I mentioned to you guys, you know, whenever it was, a couple weeks ago, you know, I, I took the, stayed over in Toronto. My brother came, stayed over in Toronto. We took the train the next morning to Brockville, Ontario, about a 10-minute ride to my hometown in Augsburg. Spent a day and a half with my mom and dad up there, which was which is great. My dad's uh, we 94 in September. Wow. Um, yeah, and he's just uh, <laughs> he's got the greatest attitude of of anyone I've ever known in my life. I mean, you know, here's here's his approach to life. He says, you know, if I hadn't smoked between ages 18 and 32. I'm convinced that I would live to be 130 instead of 110. <laughs> I love you know? it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so there was that, and then uh, then caught a flight, caught a flight down to Charlottesville, and and spent the uh, spent weekend with Abby and met Donna down there. And so we had a great weekend down there with hers. Went to the uh, UVA Wake Forest game um, on Saturday at noon. Uh, I had a wonderful experience at courtside for that game, and. It was the opposite of the NBA All-Star game. Uh, UVA won that game, I believe it was 47-45. to 45. Um, And they are one of the greatest defensive teams you'll ever see. And it's, it's so interesting, you know, sitting in that crowd. That is a college crowd environment that really gets into defense, you know, with the way Tony Bennett coaches defense. And so, uh, and so that was cool. And then... Uh, yeah, we hung out with her and her friends on Saturday night. Um, met all them. You know, we just we just had a really really cool few days and got back uh, yesterday afternoon. So all is good. 
We might need some weekly wisdom from Mr. Carlisle there. I absolutely love that quote uh, from your father there. Hell of a life uh, lived. Well, he's got he... he's got plenty he's got plenty of it. He's willing to <laughs> share. Let me tell you that. That's great. I can imagine. Good for him. I can imagine. Sounds like an awesome weekend. Glad you got to spend some time with the family and your players. Certainly held the fort down here quite well. Uh, good luck this week, Coach. And as always, thank you for the time. Okay, thanks, guys. Be well. Take care. Rick Carlisle, Pay Less Liquors hotline right there. I would say it sounds like good news on the Aaron Neesmith front. In that this, Andy, it, it, you avoided serious injury. Because as Rick said to us right there, and anyone watching last Wednesday's game in Toronto, when he went down, I thought serious. I mean, it just it didn't look good. It, it, the, the fall was hard. Neesmith strikes me as a dude that is at no part of milking injuries whatsoever there. Um, but the fact that Rick sits here and says, not sure if Thursday will be positive. It, it's not like, okay, he's out for a week and we need to reevaluate, you know, something like that. Um, I would say that is at least good news on the severity of Aaron Neesmith. We'll see about this week. Uh, but still, the fact that you haven't ruled him out of anything just yet. I'd say it's good news. Uh, a couple different things on that. Yeah, I mean, what do they do? Because, you know, not even offensively, because I think offensively you can make up for Neesmith, but his hustle and his, is it multiplicity on defense? I mean, he can guard what? A two, three, and a four? Don't you yeah, feel I mean, that way? Yeah, his versatility is tremendous. Uh, versatility is probably the better word. So, yeah, we'll see with that. I'm not, I still wouldn't be surprised if he misses a little bit of time. But, yeah, I mean, you see it in the Toronto game. And you're thinking, God, I mean, there's 26 games left. And this team is, you know, don't you feel like you're just on the – precipice of this team being back and being healthy. You know, the last couple weeks you've had Tyrese Halliburton for the better part of a month and you've had Benedict Matherin's been under the weather and that stuff. Jalen Smith as well. You hope to get all these pieces back and if Smith misses uh, a game or two, you can hold the Ford down at home, get him back and everything else. The other thing I would say the final of that Virginia Wake Forest game over the weekend was 49-47. I remember because Wake Forest had a three in the air to win the game. They had a three in the air. And I just wonder if we should go back. I mean, how many how many first quarters have the Pacers been in where it's a lot like 49-47? And that's what Virginia scored an entire 40-minute game. Slightly <laughs> different playing style in Charlottesville you versus so? over at Gamebridge. Just Fieldhouse. a little bit. Virginia scored 41 last night at Virginia Tech. You know, the other thing that Carlisle said there, and I, I know it maybe wasn't as um, explicit, if you will, as what he said to us back at the start of the season, but in a way, Andy, I think he views these first few games out of the break kind of like the same tone he talked with us back in October, November. Like, this is the opportunity at home right now to take advantage. If you look at the schedule here starting Thursday, their first seven games out of the break, they won't play a single top five team in either conference. You play the worst team in the East in Detroit. You play the worst team in the West in San Antonio. Uh, What is it, your first four, I think, are at home? Yep. When you... Um, exit the break here. And if you look at the rest of the schedule, it's a little bit more difficult. You play Oklahoma City twice. You've got your other West Coast trip in there. You still have got Cleveland in there. You've got um, you know, other teams kind of around you in Miami as well here to close out the, the season. So, again, it, it might not have the magnitude of, or at least Rick's maybe not saying it as clearly as he did to us back in October and November, but you can set the plate here pretty well if you're able to Take advantage of these first seven, you know, win five of them, win six of them. I know that's a big number, but again, on paper, you're probably favored in all of them. 
out of the gate here. Maybe at New Orleans might be a pick or something like that. It, 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 it's important to take advantage of those before your schedule does uh, stiffen up a little bit here. Uh, yeah, I mean, listen, the first four coming out of the break are are you know winnable, very very winnable games. To me, you need to go at least three and one. I think the Dallas game. I'm looking at ESPN's predictor has that very much as a 50 50 game. And listen, I, I agree with you, and I agree with Coach. Like the last month, this team. Because of mostly because of injury, you know, when we talk about a guy like Tyrese Halliburton, the last month they've just been it's been inconsistent. It's been, you know, win two, lose two, win three, lose three, win two, lose a couple. And it's just been back and forth. There hasn't been a really good flow uh, and I'm looking for them clunky. To, That's the word yeah, I keep on using. I'm looking for them to kind of rid that. Now the knee Smith injury will Jalen Smith and the back spasms keep him out. But I don't know. I mean, Detroit, Dallas and Toronto to me, I know Dallas is difficult. It's a Sunday game. I get it. You know, go win these games here early on. They need, this is a team that needs to get back on. I don't want to say on track because they've been winning games, but they need to get back to that consistency. You know, we talked to Tony East yesterday. He thinks there's a great chance that they could finish uh, as a seven seed, okay? And that's a conversation we can have as we go this week. But, um, you know, if you want not to be that seven seed, if you want to be in the top six, specifically the top six seed, if you want to keep a team like Miami at uh, arm's length, beating teams like Dallas, Toronto, splitting perhaps with the Pelicans, of course, taking business, uh, taking care of business against the Pistons, I am really interested. Guys getting to break. Guys like Benedict Mathern, like Tyrese Halliburton being healthy. I'm really interested on how quickly, you know, how fast this team can hit the ground running on Thursday. I'm assuming they do, by the way. Will we get a uh, whistle to separate Benedict Mathern and Jaden Ivey yes. at some point on Thursday? Yes. Will we get a technical yes, we will. from either of them? Uh, yeah, because if they beef at all, They'll get the. They'll each get a technical. So I would say yes, we will. I could probably get plus money on that for both of those guys to get a technical. Would you want to live till one thirty, like Mister Carlisle was hoping? Is it's hoping. Gra- it's a great question. I've 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 thought of this. One thirty seems a bit lofty. Well, me. So you know, we had our we had our son like five months ago, and you guys know this being fathers for much longer than I. It brings up like the whole mortality, right? Doesn't it of your life? Doesn't it do that, especially when you're an older parent? We're going to go a little dark here Tuesday at 826 in the morning. Uh, I don't want to live to be 130, but I would like to live to be 100. By the way, Cluster Truck just arrived. Shout out to Evan from Cluster Truck. Smells outstanding per usual. Uh, Let's hit a morning check down with a big one for the Butler Bulldogs. The Morning Checkdown, brought to you by the Barbasol Horizon League Basketball Championships. March starts here at the Indiana Farmers Coliseum, March 11th and 12th. Yeah, and just reiterating, we'll get that sound to you uh, maybe even next segment, definitely next hour on the Morning Checkdown. Aaron Neesmith, uh, you have it right now? Okay, uh, ankle injury, not too bad. That's Rick Carlisle. That's what he told us this morning. Uh, he's doing better. Um, don't know... You know exactly what this is going to look like in the next three days, but um, you know I, I think the good news was it looked like it could have been a, a really really bad injury when it happened. Um, his reaction, the way he hit the floor, et cetera, et cetera. It's it's looking uh, like like an, more like an ankle injury uh, than anything having to do with a leg or anything else. So. 
that's good news. And uh, in terms of timetable, don't know. Don't, I'm not sure if you know Thursday's uh, a possibility or not. Uh, we certainly hope it, it, it is. So again, I think avoiding serious injury is the big takeaway there with Aaron Neesmith, but we'll see how he checks out as the Pacers return to practice later tonight. Speaking of tonight, 6.30 tip from uh, where – do they even play the games in the Sixers Arena anymore? Are they all at their uh, home on-campus venue oh, there for Villanova? I, f- I feel like I should know that, but I but I do not know that. I would say when Jay Wright in those beautiful suits went out the door, they just said, I don't know, enough of you in the big when arena. I go go back to campus. Old Wachovia or Wells Fargo, <laughs> whatever it's Butler called pl- there. I'm taking Butler plus the number. Six and a half. Were you surprised by that? Butler I, getting I six am, and a half? I am a little bit surprised by that. Butler lost – Boy, they lost big to Creighton, but I don't know. They're all, I mean, they're coming off probably their worst losses. half of the season. That second oh, half of no Creighton, doubt. probably their worst half of the season. Uh, Thad Mata obviously cares zero about that six and a half point line. I think it is vitally important for that resume to get one of these two this week. Again, it's at Nova, it's at Seton Hall. We don't have like a lot of regular season elimination games in college basketball. That'd be kind of unfair to a thirty game schedule to label one game like that. But when you get two bubble-ish teams on February 20th, it's hard to like no, <laughs> totally yeah, overlook it, that. And again, Butler gets two of them this week. Now, they're yeah. both on the road, so it's it means more to Nova and it means more to Seton Hall because if you really want to get technical about the bubble right now, Nova and Seton Hall are looking up at it. Butler is still on the right side of it, but it's a narrow margin. Um, so big ones, big ones for yeah. Butler tonight and a big one again on Saturday with Seton Hall. You're right, but I will say this. Them being, I mean, they, they ruined their opportunity at home to Butler. I mean, they had chances. Uh, UConn was a close game. Marquette was a six-point game. Obviously, the the second half against Creighton was a disaster, so they had their chance there. The only thing I would say is Seen Hall is 63rd in the net right now. Villanova's 35th, especially that Seen Hall game. Because they're road games, those are quad one opportunities. Right, exactly. And it's not having to beat a team like Marquette or Creighton, even though you've done that, to get a quad one. These are teams that are very much more in your wheelhouse, yet because they're on the road, they can be quad one opportunities. So there is some good. Uh, it all depends on how you view it, I guess. And again, Butler won in double OT, a wild finished regulation, and then overtimes at Hinkle in the first matchup. All right, a couple other college basketball notes. Purdue fall number three in the polls after their loss to Ohio State. Houston, who you saw beat Iowa State last night, they rise to number two. Uh, Purdue back in action, 7 o'clock Thursday against Rutgers. It'll be Nebraska for Mike Woodson's bunch coming up Wednesday inside of Assembly Hall. Nebraska's got the wild-looking resume, Andy Sweeney. They are 8-7 and seven in the Big Ten. 8-0 <laughs> at home, 0-7 oh on the road. <laughs> I have no idea what are to you, do with Are the, you steadfast in saying you have to win one road conference game don't to you? enter the NCAA tournament? To don't, be, don't you have to? To get the invite, yeah. you have to win one. What do you do with Nebraska? Like for the NCAA tournament, like if you're the committee, like here's here's a here's a, here's a blind schedule. Right now, Lenardi has them as having a uh, as having a final buy. Right now, them and Butler are on the last four buy list from Joe Lenardi. I'm trying to see when this was updated. It was updated, all right, updated four days ago. I mean, what's Lenardi got to do? 
<laughs> You're one of the main guys in bracketology. You had games all weekend. Yeah, I, I, you had I three, couldn't agree more You with had that. three games that mattered last night. You had Virginia losing big. You had Houston and Iowa State, which is a huge matchup. Houston's a one seed. Iowa State's like a three seed. That's a big deal. Just update me, the damn thing give, every day. Give, and, give me and, a Monday night update. And for all I care, just switch the eight and nines to different regions, and I'll act like it's a different bracket. <laughs> yeah, it was updated on the 16th. When was that? The 16th was Friday. I was busy celebrating my <laughs> wedding anniversary. How, how did everything go? Everything Every, good? Everything well. But you know, that, that was right. when we got the ugly weather. I couldn't believe it. Yeah, I sent traffic for an hour and a half. I know. I, I couldn't believe how quickly <laughs> that snow was falling on Friday if I could be a loser about the weather here. But I think it'll all be gone by today with the uh, well, how the better be. It's already pretty much gone by. <laughs> it's 53 degrees outside today. It better be. Speaking of weather, finally cooperated for the Daytona 500. William Byron, the president of South Carolina's what uh acacia frat down there uh he takes home uh the daytona 500 a wild the big one 22 car crash with nine to go there it is amazing watching just the bumper car nature through it all it's just a slow accordion effect there with all of those cars bowing out there with less than 10 to go but ross chastain austin Cindric get into it on the final lap William Byron. Do you know anything about Bill Byron? Uh, I don't. I did see The Rock. Uh, He's did been the, pretty good at the Brickyard, if I remember he, correctly. He did the, you know, gentlemen start your engines type thing. I, I just... It, what, what's The Rock's endgame? Mark, you may know. He's back in wrestling. Mm-hmm. He's back not being The Rock, who is only, you know, in like movies like The Tooth Fairy. Is he trying to be president of the United States at some no, point? What's the I don't Rock doing? What's The Rock doing right now? Whatever the hell he wants, pretty much. He's doing. He's back in wrestling. He's gonna be at WrestleMania. He's doing weekly. T- well, not weekly TV, but he's on WWE TV enough. And then he's just going around doing NASCAR races and everything else. And then he's got his spring football league gearing up to kick oh, off. Gosh, I forgot about that. Yeah. When is that starting? You're not the only one. March. End There's of March. No way this works, right? I mean, well, it's a mashup of what on. the XFL and the Wait, UFL we, we, now. We've done this 15 times. I was going to say, I'm 39 years old and I've been doing the same thing. Will this extra football league work? And the answer is always no. He hate me diving for a football here to start off the game <laughs> to do the coin toss on if they're going to kick off or if the, they're. The youngsters don't remember who ha- he hate me is. I don't even remember his real name. Didn't he play for the Panthers at one point? He played like two years. So he played XFL and NFL, XFL, NFL. He played football literally Rod for like Smart. two years. That's it. Rod Smart. Played football for like two years straight without stopping. Uh, in about 30, Joel A. Erickson from the Star going to join us. Conversation I want to have with Joel outside of, of course, the Michael Pittman news, which we could get today. We could get two weeks from today with the franchise tag window now open. What needs would he label draft needs? What needs would he label free agency needs? That and more on the other side as well. Kevin Bowen, Andy Sweeney, Mark Dykton here. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Appreciate Evan from Cluster Truck. We're crushing food during the break, sports radio style. KB's got his he's got his burger, he's got his burger tots over there. I love it. I do have a salad close yeah, by. Yeah, you got salad close by. Makes you still feel a little yeah, better. That's yeah, gonna, exactly. That's, put some ranch on that and some cheese. That ain't gonna even things out. <laughs> Bacon bits. 
Again, ClusterTruck.com. Check out their website. I believe they have an app. Check that out as well. The Fan, right? The Fan is the code you need to know. The Fan. You get 25% off uh, that order of $25 or more. Cluster Truck. We always appreciate them hanging out on this Tuesday. I want to get to some college basketball. I just had a couple thoughts about Purdue and Indiana uh, stemming from yesterday. You know, Yesterday we did... So much all-star game and uh, Dame Lillard, the pig, as our guy Greg Doyle said, and much more. So I want to get into that. Uh, But you and I thought on Colts and needs and draft and free agency. Go ahead. What do you got for us? Yeah, you know, again, uh, starting today, the franchise tag window is open. We talked a lot about Michael Pittman Jr. in that 730 segment. That'll certainly be up on the podcast. But another thing to keep in mind, Andy, is... You know, three weeks from tomorrow, as we start to juggle an NFL calendar with a lot more dates that matter, is the beginning of free agency. I mean, March 13th kicks off free agency. We know the Colts have north of $70 million. We know they have a lot of in-house free agents that would fall on a notable list. The question I want to ask Joel Erickson in 20 minutes, and I guess the question that I will answer right now and ask you, what needs do you label? Draft? What labels do you label? I know. What needs you label as a free agency? Um, I'll throw out just two, just to get things started here. A draft need, and I don't think it's very pressing early on, but I do think at some point, and maybe I'm a little deep in the weeds with this, at some point I think you need to draft the center of the future. Okay. You know, I think pairing okay. a young center with Anthony Richardson makes a lot of sense. Again, okay. I don't think it's early in the draft. I view I, I I understood what Ryan Grigson was doing when he took Ryan Kelly where he did, but again, it doesn't add up to positional value in the draft at all, taking a center of whatever he took, Kelly, 18 overall. Um, So at some point, I don't know, round four, round five, something like that, draft a center of the future for Anthony Richardson. A free agent need that I wouldn't consider a draft need, and this goes against a lot of these early mock drafts we've seen, I wouldn't be drafting a cornerback very high. Like I feel like you have, you just drafted three corners last year. Now it is time to give that group a veteran in free agency balance out a little bit more of that experience. Certainly, you want to continue to let Juju Brents and Jalen Jones and even Dallas Flowers coming off the injury grow, but I still think free agency is the route better utilized there. Yeah, I mean, just look, you have, uh, you're in the, number one, you're in the AFC. Number two, you have C.J. Stroud staring at you, do you not? And then you have, you know, even though I'm not too high on Jacksonville, you have uh, you have the Jags as well. We had Nate Atkins on last week. I, I should have looked this up. He had them looking at, you know, he had the 10-point uh, plan, if you will, on how to kind of flip things and improve the yeah, Colts went, what, in the offseason. I think, I think he was at Kendall. I believe that's what he uh, went with, who has spent the last several years there in Washington. So he went with a good, solid veteran to add uh, to your corners room, to your secondary room, and I agree with that. Uh, maybe not even the name, even though he's given you a name. Here's the type of player that you need to add to that defense. I would agree with that. Do we agree then offensive line would be mostly, I mean, that's something that's going to be yeah, drafted probably. Again, I'd say interior O-line. I Again, I know we're getting deep into the weeds here. That, to me, is draft. I could probably throw a veteran tackle in insurance policy, you know, Blake Freeland was thrown in the fire. I mean, how, hell, did Blake Freeland play the most snaps of... He might have played more snaps than Josh Downs, just because how much you needed him with Braden Smith out. I would tend to like to see some veteran swing tackle um, in that range there. I guess any other position that well, you're staunchly like draft versus free agency? Uh, 
Which pretty much just means youth and development versus veteran. Let me ask you this, and this would be Balor taking a sizable swing. You know, free agent-wise, there are a number of solid defensive linemen, edge-type guys. I mean, you have, again, some of these guys can be brought back to their team's franchise. I mean, you have Brian Burns. You have Danielle Hunter with Minnesota. Uh, you have Josh Allen, who we're very familiar with in Jacksonville. You have Zadarius Smith, who has played for multiple teams, the Vikings and the Browns. You have Jonathan Grenard, who you just saw, uh, who is you know very much a sack specialist, if you will. What do you have, 13 and a half last year for Houston? I bring that up because, you know, you look at some of these lists of top free agents, you know, the top 15, there might be, you know, six or seven are actual defensive linemen or actually edge guys. So to me, you know, you have drafted and you have, you do have some young guys. You have a lot of guys not making a ton of money. You know, Buckner on the interior, Grover on the interior. Would you ever spend money on the outside? Would you ever spend money on the edge? Uh, I am very much, when it comes to, I agree with you, when it comes to like a backup quarterback, if you want to bring in a guy like Tyrod Taylor, that's fine. But finding someone in the later rounds who fits the mold of Shane Steichen, you have mentioned that. I would agree. And then I think... You need free. I think there are positions you need both. I think you need to draft another wide receiver. I, I kind. I mean, I kind of think you need someone who is a veteran there. Do you not? Who can do a little bit more than Isaiah McKenzie could last year? Perhaps I'm wrong on that, but I think the interesting thing is there are so many big time quality edge guys that potentially could hit the market here. Would you ever go for one of those, or would that be... I mean, Bryce Huff for the Jets. I'm using him uh, as an example. He's another one. Leonard Floyd uh, is one as well. Would any of these guys, um, whether they're the top guys or maybe the secondary guys, be something that you would say, okay, we're not going to have to develop this guy. This guy can hit the ground running and give us 10.5 sacks. Yeah, Again, I think this is an exercise that teams have just got to go through and mapping out what an offseason looks like for you. But and this is why you tag Pittman as well, KB. And we're going to get some dominoes on it. Yeah, I mean, tagging Pittman, of course, you know, it, it pushes that conversation to the back burner, but it pushes it to the back burner through 2024. Again, for those unfamiliar with what that exclusive franchise tag would mean, if the Colts give that to Pittman, which they have a two-week window to do that starting today, one year, north of $20 million, he is under contract for 2024. He cannot negotiate with any other teams. Um... He would not be a free agent when March 13th rolls around, and you would have until mid-July to try and get a long-term deal done with him. If you choose to not use the franchise tag by March 5th, the end of that two-week window, then you've got eight days left to get a long-term deal done before free agency begins on March 13th and before, obviously, he'd be able to start to negotiate. And I'm pretty sure if the NFL still does that legal tampering period. I say that in quotes because we all know the tampering <laughs> begins next week downtown at the Combine. Uh, he obviously could start to get a feel for his market much earlier than that. I always laugh when it's like, well, we're going to you know, let him hit free agency and see what the market looks like. I'm like, if you're the agent of Michael Pittman Jr. and you really wanted to, you could call the GM of the Broncos oh, right sure. now and say, sure. hey, um, about my player on your team, by the way, would you have any interest in Michael Pittman Jr.? How much money would you be willing to pay him? Okay, thanks. Right, I, like well, am I? Uh, well, you're right. What's your favorite? And I'm not talking Rick Carlisle's <laughs> burner account here on Instagram. Like, I mean, this is pretty easy to do. Uh, we do need to focus on that. The Rick Carlisle does have a burner, so he can keep up with 
I mean, his players and his daughter. I was trying to find family. it during the interview. Oh, I, I couldn't find it. it. There's a couple that I was like, "Ooh, maybe," and then you're they're private, gonna... so I couldn't check. I was like, "Damn, you're I, never gonna find it." I think it's a great idea, by him. <laughs> I think it's a great idea. I just find it to be a funny idea. Oh, sure. And uh, I feel like it's the first time he was ever asked about it today. And so I did see. I mean, there's like nine million fake Rick Carlisle. Coach which... Slick Crick. Yeah. I, I don't know. <laughs> well, their Rick, number. What was his that, number at UVA? That's Rick Patino. Well, like Rick, be careful. There's already there's already one of those, and he hates his team right now. What's your favorite? I want you to think about it, because my favorite is uh, remember when Plaxico Burris got you know he got arrested and everything. His son he, just committed he, another day. He he left the Giants. Plaxico Burris, who I love, and that. That offseason, the Giants were supposed to get, remember Braylon Edwards? You remember Braylon Edwards from Michigan? Sure. Uh, you know, it was a fine player. I think he was with Cleveland, and he was the he was the the hot free agent wide receiver, and it was a for sure thing. The Giants were going to get him, and for three days straight, a long weekend, KB, I refreshed Mike uh, Florio's pro football talk because that was the site back in the day. Kevin's that, favorite website. Yeah, that always before Twitter, and it broke all the news. Don't get me started. I know. I know you don't like it, but it broke all the news. I probably gave him 3,000 hits that weekend, uh, and Braylon Edwards did not end up with my team. That's my Braylon Edwards free agency story. We'll hit on a little college b-ball on the other side. Joel A. Erickson from the star to chat Colts, Michael Pittman, and free agency in a few. Appreciate Rick Carlisle joining us. You miss any of that conversation, 1075thefan.com. I guess the newsworthy thing, uh, more of an ankle injury, Aaron Neesmith. We'll see over the the, uh, the next couple days, 48 hours or so, if he will play on a Thursday night. Practice later today uh, for the Pacers as they get ready, like I said, for the Pistons coming up on Thursday. Joel A. Erickson, Colts beat reporter, will join us coming up here in about eight minutes or so. Uh, just two quick college basketball things KB if you don't mind just a just a store in your mind as we go here and as you know we finish up the season yesterday we had Greg Doyle on from the star and he made the point of Actually, you may write a blog, Mark. I guess I should let you know. I may write a blog around something that he said. Noted. Uh, that, you know, he thinks, you know, Mike, Mike, uh, Mike, I'm going to call him Mike Davis, uh, that Woody is good to go. Mike Woodson is good to go this season unless he, like, loses out and then there is a conversation to be had. And so one IU item and one Purdue item, you know, you asked this question. I didn't dismiss it, but we had a lot to get to yesterday. You asked me about Dusty May. You know, like, is, is you know, is Dusty May is the guy that I think a lot of Indiana fans want, and he's the Indiana guy, and he's the Bobby Knight guy, and we, uh, like, I, I understand that. You know, I am interested to see how Florida Atlantic finishes their season. Is he going to put... They're like two, on the 8-9 yeah, line, I mean, right? Yeah, I mean, is he going to put two magical runs next to each other? You know, their strength of schedules in the 100s. Indiana's is 17th. So we understand, coming from a small place like FAU, that... You know, the flip side, you know, it might be, well, can he can he handle the big time? The flip side would be when he gets all the resources of a big time program like Indiana, boy, look how much better he's going to be able to do. And so, you know, I think the Dusty May conversation is not a slam dunk. I think Dusty May uh, is a fine coach. I think there are other guys out there. 
I'm a big fan of Sean Miller. I know he hasn't made a Final Four. He's had NCAA stuff uh, that's out there with a guy like Chris Mack. Now, this is not just IU. This is everybody. You know, Chris Mack may want to get uh, back into the game. So, you know, the guy at USF right now, uh, is balling out as well. And some of these guys are going to get huge deals. You know, Lamont Parrott's going to get a huge deal at South Carolina. And so I, I just, throwing it out there, I, I, I my only wonder is, are Indiana fans too worried? You know, this is an Indiana guy. I was telling Mark after the show, I think that's one of the more overrated things in sports is that you got to get your guy, right? I mean, Notre Dame, Brian Kelly wasn't a Notre Dame guy. Well, he sure. got you to yeah. the college football exactly. playoff. Yeah, okay? Brian Kelly got you on um, finally stable ground. Yeah, so I think that's my IU thing is, you know, does it have to be Dusty May? Does Dusty May need to do more than kind of a one-hit wonder? And it was a great one hit uh, in the NCAA tournament. And then my Purdue— And for those that miss, I, I— No, I, go ahead, please. Sorry to interrupt, but I just want to make sure that— the question that I asked you and I threw to Greg Doyle is if Ohio State and Louisville, if those openings all of a sudden through the grapevine, Scott Dolson gets word that Dusty May wants to take one of those two. Sure. But he's willing to go to Indiana. Does or has, I should say, Dusty May earned the right and does he have the resume, the clout, have everyone describe it for Indiana to sit here and say, Man, we'd love to bring Woody back for another year, and we got to give him a chance. And Liam McNeely, this and X player that, and you know, blah blah blah. But that's the guy we really, really want, and we can't risk you know missing out on him again. It, it might be a little bit of a wild hypothetical, but that is the question that I pose to you. Yeah, and then Doyle said, "Hey, you know, Woody, wait 14 months. In other words, for Woody to fail next season, and boy, there's a lot of baggage that that goes along just waiting." for the coach to fail. That's never been in a good spot. So there's the Dusty May stuff, and I only have only have a minute. Are you surprised at all? You know, I've seen nationally a lot of, is there anything wrong with Purdue? Uh, like, every time they lose, it's a referendum on Purdue. And it's it just, the lack of confidence around such a great team. Staggering's not the word, but I guess it is even a little bit surprising that when they lose, people automatically think that, oh, here goes Purdue late in the season. Here goes Purdue. I I don't know if I feel that way, but I feel like a lot of people nationally and locally do feel that way. Do you not? Well, the pressure's ramping up. And to your point, obviously the calendar creates that with how they've ended the last couple of seasons. Uh, To me, the biggest thing on Sunday... Again, turnovers, we know that that has been the issue in the losses. But now it's just two games. But, you know, with how Zach Eady gets officiated and that debate come tournament time, if all of a sudden the foul trouble that he has battled here lately, if that becomes somewhat of a norm in March, can you handle that? Can right. you handle it for six games? The answer is probably unlikely, especially with how Fletcher Lawyer has played here recently. I don't know if you have enough. I don't think you have enough to whatever. Edie saddle with foul trouble for multiple games. There's been moments this season where Purdue's handled it great. And Tennessee and Illinois were huge wins. Minnesota and Ohio State, you struggled when he went off the floor. That would be the new element to me that I now am curious moving forward. Because again... How he gets officiated is such a hot-button topic, particularly when you get away from the Big Ten. Uh, That, I would say, is a little different for Purdue here as they get ready for Rutgers Thursday night inside of Mackey. All right, where where does Joel A. Erickson stand on Michael Pittman Jr. in the franchise tag? That and much more with him next. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. 
Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. All right, hour number three, hanging out with you in the drivehuber.com studios. KB and Andy, wake-up call here on this Tuesday. You miss any of uh, Rick Carlisle. Had him on at the beginning uh, of the 8 o'clock hour an hour ago. Check that out at 1075thefan.com. Besides the Pacers conversation, man, we spent a lot of time today uh, on the Colts. The first day, the first minutes, you can put the franchise tag on a player. Michael Pittman, obviously, would be that player for the Colts. And to talk about that and much more, Joel A. Erickson joining us from the Indianapolis. Starry joins us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Joel, good morning, sir. Hope all is well. Be at a great weekend your way. Do you uh, expect, probably not today, but in the next couple weeks, do you expect that Michael Pittman does receive the franchise tag? Let's start there. I I just think they kind of have to. Um, Pittman's you know, expressed a desire to, to see what the open market has to offer. It doesn't really make sense. Uh, for the Colts to let that happen in any way, um, I, I it just I'd be surprised. They 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 had three receivers last year who essentially played all of the snaps, and if you take one of them away, you're kind of putting yourself in a corner where you have to. Uh, I feel like you essentially would have to like sign T Higgins or something to make up for it. So I I, I would think that they they tag him eventually. Yeah, Joel, that's kind of where I've been of like, okay, tell me a realistic plan B. I, I, I'm all ears. I will listen, but I just haven't heard anyone offer that that I can sit there and like somewhat nod my head at. By the way, I saw you from afar at the All-Star Game. Apologize for not saying hello. There was a lot of people oh, there. Boy. I was I was largely intimidated by all the people there. Joel, how was your All-Star Game experience? Uh, it was it was fun. It's uh, Anytime I uh, – when I get to cover those big events that aren't football, it's kind of fun. There's like a – um, sort of like a, a, a little bit less pressure to the whole thing. Um, I, I don't know that I got super excited about the basketball I saw, but I think that's. I think you kind of know that going in. Um, yeah, just kind of fun to be on the, uh, be around everything downtown. Uh, did, I was in the crossover event a little bit on Sunday. That place was insane in terms of how much. I was gonna say, did you did you take your were. boys? I'd have loved it. I I did not take my boys uh, down. Uh, when I got in there, I was like, man, I wish I, I, if they had been not been in school, like on Friday or something, when it wasn't quite so crowded, it would have been a good time. But yeah, um, but yeah, I, like all, you know, it felt like you could shoot a basketball. Well, shoot, you could shoot a basketball like on the street on the way from the convention center to Gainbridge. That was great. Like, I've shot a basketball more in the last five days than I've <laughs> shot in the last probably five years combined there. So, uh, yeah, I was very much loving that. Um, I do want to get, by the way, I believe you have a, um, I don't know if it's a hot take on how to change up the All-Star game, but um, I do want to get to that before we exit. But obviously, Colt specific here with Joel A. Erickson from the Star. Do you think another element of the Pittman franchise tag idea is this, and it might be too far-fetched, so obviously feel free to disagree, but in tagging him and not giving him a long-term deal until mid-July, doesn't that leave you wiggle room if anything crazy or unforeseen arises this offseason? Like, if all of a sudden, you know, and again, I'm throwing out a hypothetical here, but if you get a team like the Titans a few years ago, it's like, yep, A.J. Brown is now for sale, if you don't give Pittman Jr. the long-term deal, you might feel a little bit better financially to insert yourself into a conversation like that. Again, the hypothetical is probably far-fetched, but I feel like that's another part of giving him the tag, 
being patient on the long-term deal that I'm curious if Chris Boward will entertain at all? Well, I, I think, I think, you know, the, the options open, I think that's also part of the reason that maybe that the teams don't really franchise uh, people when the window opens. Typically they usually wait till later in the deadline. You know, you, you wonder like if you're going to franchise this person anyway, why don't you just do it right away? Well, if you could somehow work out the combines coming up, that's when a lot of GMs meet with the agents for their, uh, for their in-house free agents and, and, and talk things out. If you, if you could lock, you know, lock up your obvious tag candidate to a, a long-term deal, well then maybe you can use a tag somewhere else. Uh, if, if you don't, if, if you've got that person already locked up to a deal, I, I don't think that's going to happen with Pittman, but you know, that's, that's, that's one of the options and one of the reasons that teams wait. It, Who would be most are, likely in, in that case? Sorry to interrupt. Grover, Kenny, or Julian Blackman? I I think it'd be Blackman, and the reason would be because of black because the safety tag is probably pretty low compared to everything else. Like if you're if you're trying to tag Grover Stewart, you're putting him up with like you know Aaron Donald's contract, right? And, Dexter and Lawrence, Chris Jones, yep. Cornerback, cornerback is kind of the same thing. You, it's the top five there is pretty high paid. Safety is not. So if if you were to work out a deal and you were going to tag somebody, you'd tag Blackman because the one-year deal there is probably not nearly as prohibitive. Joel A. Erickson joining us. Uh, following the Colts for the Indianapolis Star, he joins us here on the Pay Less Liquors Hotline. You know, for the people that say Chris Ballard doesn't pay wide receivers, what would be your response to that with Michael Pittman? Um, I, I, think, I think in general – uh, Pittman's different because Pittman represents something that hasn't been available necessarily uh, outside of outside of uh, you know the one year deal with T. Y. Hilton in his time. It's just he's in house and and Ballard Ballard you know really really values paying his own guys in house. Um, plus, I, I think I think we've probably talked about this on this on this on, on your show before, but Pittman is kind of like the perfect Ballard receiver in my mind. Because he's so willing to do the dirty work, he's so physical. Um, I, I, a lot of the stuff that Ballard always talks about wanting to see in a player is, is the way Pittman plays. So I, I think that's part of it for me. Is just, and then you know the, the answer he gave in the answer he gave in his postseason press conference about the wide receiver market. You know, if you if if the cost is four dollars a gallon, you have to pay four dollars a gallon. I, I thought that was a, a hint that he was acknowledging where things have gone in the receiver position. He's Joel A. Erickson. Does an outstanding job covering the Colts for the Indianapolis Star. He's with us here on the Payless Secrets Hotline. Joel, did I read correctly in your piece the second longest franchise tag drought? I don't know if drought's the right word. Is the Colts? Haven't used it in yeah, 11 years? Yeah, that's that's uh, that's what I that's that's what my understanding based on like what I was looking at yesterday is mm. the only team that's that's gone longer without using it is the Eagles. Um, and the last time was McAfee in 2013. I think part of that uh, speaks to the fact that they locked up guys ahead of time sure. in general. You know, I mean, like we talk about the John, we talk about, and obviously the Jonathan Taylor thing did get uh, pretty spicy there for a while, but they still ended up signing him before he even got to free agency. They, they haven't really let these guys get um, to the, to the market, including like the specialists. Cause I think, I think, like, you know, they, them tagging McAfee, I was looking through some of the history of the other teams. There's, there's kind of a lot – well, more, more kickers and punters than I would have expected have gotten tagged in the last 10 years. 
But then you think about it, if you've got a guy in a free agent, the, the, the kicker tag or punter tag is not very high. That kind of makes sense, too. But, um, yeah, no, they, they have not used it in more than a decade, um, which is, is a little surprising when you look at the rest of the league. It's it's Every other team has used it so – like the Cowboys end up tagging people all the time. I think they would be like on the high end of the usage. But for the most part, it just seems like it's like kind of what Ballard said. It's just part of the business. And it's kind of surprising that the Colts have somehow gotten through a decade without having to give somebody without giving somebody a tag. Yeah, I remember I did this exercise in my, hand, in my head a few months ago. I can't think of anybody, though, I feel like deserved to be tagged or like I had a wild right. debate over even in that time span either. Shifting gears just a little bit. And again, Joel A. Erickson from the Star covers the Colts. He's with us here on the Payless Sickers Hotline. I tossed this to Andy's way a little bit early in the show. What needs would you label more draft-related? What needs would you label more free agency-related here in the offseason? I'll give an example of each. For the draft, I think at some point, not early, at some point, you need to try and find the center of the future. Uh, Probably a middle-ish round pick. Free agency-wise, I think that's where you go for corner versus drafting another one early. What say you on draft needs versus free agency needs? I I think... I think center 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 in the draft is a is a really good one that people are probably not not thinking about or talking about. I think linebacker fits in there. Yeah, I'd agree. Um, I think linebacker fits in sort of the same category of, you know, not necessarily a high pick, but those Ballard's done well finding starters in the middle of the late rounds at linebacker, and they're kind of they're a little light behind Franklin and Speed with those guys kind of coming up on the end of their deals. I think I think that's definitely a spot that's draft corner free agency because just I mean like that one seems obvious just because they they don't have guys with with a whole ton of experience coming back you got to have somebody there who, who knows what they're doing I think especially after the stuff they said about Gus Bradley and why they brought him back was they didn't give him enough you know there were calls he couldn't make that kind of thing well you if you're going to bring him back then you have to give him some of that stuff um I I kind of would throw receiver in the wider in the in the draft. I think. Um, Andy said people, both. Andy said right. You said both draft and free agency. Well, yeah, I'm just I, I'm skeptical of 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 Pierce. I just am, and you know they were so light that once they had any injury, I mean you saw Josh Downs limping around middle of the year, and then go back to that Atlanta game when Michael Pittman wasn't available. I mean they were just uh, they were just pathetic offensively. I think you need a vet better than an Isaiah McKenzie, and then if you go out and there's a fourth rounder, it's a deep wide receiver draft, and you can draft another guy. I don't see I don't see any problem with that at all, and that's me assuming obviously Pittman's back next year. Yeah, I could get on board with that. I mean, the the, the number you're looking for is that outside of the top three guys, the the most snaps anybody played was something like 124 mm. or 150 wow. or something like that. It's 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 really remarkable. Typically in the NFL, four receivers play a fairly significant percentage of the snaps. It was basically just Pittman, Pierce, Downs the entire season. They kind of got lucky in that um, between all all those three guys combined, the, the, the Pittman concussion game was the only one that they that any of them missed. So, uh, like, yeah, you could definitely add two guys there, especially when you look at like what's what's on the roster behind them. There's not a lot you can count on. 
I, I was thinking draft more in terms of, like, if you're looking for the upside play, I, I think the free agent class behind, like, the Pittman and the Higgins is, is pretty risky. Yeah. And we've kind of seen over the last couple of years that, you know, outside of, you know, the Kirk signing was a good one for Jacksonville. But there's been a lot of, of bad free uh, wide receiver free agent contracts thrown around. Joel A. Erickson with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. I just want to go back to Pittman for a second. You know, boy, I don't know if you guys, because I didn't work here then, if you guys forecasted that the contract situation could get, you mentioned, spicy with Jonathan Taylor. Again, Pittman, even after the season's like, hey, playing on the tag, I don't want to, but it's a ton of money up over $21 million for me to play and make all that money in one year would be fantastic. Could you foresee a situation, I guess, do you think that this could get spicy or contentious the way it did with Jonathan Taylor should the Colts tag Pittman and we're sitting here, you know, late summer getting ready for August and they still don't have a deal hashed out? I this is I think the difference between the two guys is that Pittman, because his dad played in the NFL for so long, seems to be pretty aware of how the NFL contract negotiations work in a way that some other players aren't. Um, and so... But that, but I will say this: I don't think that that means that that we're not going to have um, anything that would like seem spicy from the outside. I just think that there are there are negotiation tactics and stuff that happens when a team franchise tags somebody that I would say agents and probably general managers too view as more part of the way business gets done than fans do. And I think that you could maybe see some of those things employed. Um, I just think that, you know, some of the stuff Pittman said about the tag and understanding that's a way to work towards the long-term deal, all that stuff. I think he's pretty realistic about how all this works. Now, I, I think if the fan base sees, you know, the threat of a whole uh, of a holdout or something, I think they're going to be thinking of it as it's super acrimonious. That, that's also just kind of what, the, the, the player does. Like, you think about, like, Bosa did it last year with San Francisco. I don't think there's any issues with Bosa in San Francisco. It's just that's the way to get his money. And Joel A. Erickson is with us here from the Indianapolis Star Combine starting next week. Some important dates in the NFL calendar about to be here for the offseason. Joel Gardner Minshew, um, you know, it's pretty clear he wants to be a starter. Um, I, I Colts obviously can't offer that. I don't know how many teams can offer that, to be frank. But certainly there are teams that can offer a more realistic shot at playing time. Ultimately, do you think the Colts will have to find a new backup QB? I do. I think somebody else is going to give Minshew um, – whether or not it's a chance, like whether or not it's a an actual, I don't think he's necessarily going to get an actual. Like I don't think he's going to get the Nick Foles deal that that Foles got from Jacksonville, where it was where Foles was a backup and they essentially signed him to be a starter. I don't think that's probably going to happen, but I do think there's going to be an opportunity to be in a situation like he was last year, where there, he could start a lot if the player they are planning on drafting is not is is injured or not ready. Um, and and I, I think there's also the possibility of if a team is kind of sometimes teams get in this spot where they're kind of like we're just going to kind of see where we are because we don't have the the capital or whatever the, the assets to get get up there for the top quarterbacks. 
think that's possible. I just think that there's a chance that Gardner Minshew, after getting the after the Colts almost went to the playoffs with him starting the, the vast majority of the games, I think some team is going to give him, you know, a, a really good backup deal, which is which can be as much as ten, eleven million dollars a year. I don't know if I, I don't know if I would say the Colts should do that, um, and. And and he'll probably have a chance to start, and I think that probably means he moves on. They got they've got to find a new backup. Joel A. Erickson uh, from the Star hanging out with us on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Joel, last one for me. How would you fix the All Star Game? Let's hear it. What would you do? I I <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I was sitting there uh, waiting for the All Star Game to start because obviously that it you know it said eight p.m. and it it was there like I think it started like eight thirty five or something, and uh, I. I want to. I want to turn it into NBA Jam. I want to turn it into NBA Jam. We, we've got the LED court now, and that means uh, like you can put hot spots on the floor. So, like I just like the idea of Tyrese Halliburton taking the ball uh, and dribbling up the floor, and all of a sudden a six appears at thirty-five feet, and if he hits it from thirty-five feet, he gets six points. I also I also wanted to go two on two because if you play forty-eight minutes. Uh, with 12-man rosters of two-on-two, guys only have to play eight minutes. And and then I think it's fun, like, I was thinking about, like, the New Orleans uh, tournament in, in golf where the guys pair up. Like they, It's always fun to see who guys pick. Like, you could let the players pick who their partner is. The matchups get fun where, like, what if Steph Curry is on the floor and the other team has chosen two guys who are 6'8"? How does that play into it? I also think I didn't put this in the column I wrote, but uh, I think if people are like, "Well, you're not going, no one's going to get any defense," not that there's any defense in a real All Star game, but uh, if people remember playing NBA Jam, there were times you could just goaltend. And what if you just made goaltending goaltending fine for this? Draft Victor Webinyama for your team. <laughs> yeah, you get all kinds. There's all kinds of intrigue there. I I think I'd watch the heck out of it. They do, they do I, that I in FIBA, the don't they? They do that in FIBA, don't they? Like you can, you yeah, can, you can take the ball off the you, rim. You can take the ball right off the rim, which I think is a fantastic rule. I, I love it. I mean, if we're going to do NBA Jam, we got to light the ball on fire, though. It might burn their hands. Uh, that I would had, be the only I thing. Had people, I had people on X who were coming up with ways for the basket <laughs> to look like was on fire, which I loved. <laughs> and my on fire thing is just if you get, if you actually make three baskets in a row without the opponent scoring. That means that your next shot counts no matter if it goes in or not. Oh, look at this. What if it's like double the points? I like it. So well, like so like, you know, you get you get three shots in a row, you're on fire, you take a rebound off the board and you just throw it at the hoop from seventy five feet and it counts. Cause obviously you can't make the ball go in the way you can in the game, but you can you can give them that. <laughs> Gosh, you have really thought this through here. <laughs> I had a lot of time. I Adam had a lot Silver of time. Consulting on Line on, 1 here. There's a column on Indie Star uh, where I, I thought through some of it. I, I didn't put the goaltending piece in there because I couldn't quite work it out in my head. But I still think that if you're if it's two-on-two, two, like in theory you just put like Wembenyama down there and he just swats it. <laughs> but that would also encourage running because you have to get to the basket before the other guy gets there to goaltend you. 
The brain of Joel A. Erickson <laughs> on full display here Sunday night. I love it. He had, again, he had 45 minutes to figure it yeah, out. It was 841 when the game yeah. started. Who was paying attention? Me, Joel. That's who. 841. <laughs> I remember the exact time. Well, the thing is, they have to start it so late because there's no stoppages within the game. Well, the game just flies point. by. Fair point. I'm like, wait, Halliburton's been at the scores table for how, how many straight minutes? <laughs> for six minutes. Before he's checking in. Uh, Joel, we will see you downtown next week at the Combine. Do, uh, Andy asked me this earlier. Do we have a date on Steichen and Ballard meeting the media? For some reason, I thought it was Tuesday. Uh, I don't think we have an official one. Um, maybe. I, I, I don't think we have an official one yet, though. Yeah, typically. The, it'll, be, it'll be Tuesday or Wednesday. That's always what it is. All right. Prospects then start to uh, chat on Thursday. All right, Joel. Good seeing you from afar uh, the other night. Thank you for the time. Yeah, you bet. You bet. We'll see you. Joel A. Erickson probably going to read some blog on the Brewers pitchers and catchers reporting. <laughs> uh, he is joining us right there on the Payless Liquors hotline. Are you on board with Joel A. Erickson's all-star idea? Yeah, I'm I'm fine with it. Mark Dykton, you are you definitely are a fan. Well, right? what about instead of like just throwing the ball and he's on fire? What if it's like a score multiplier? Like if you score three three in a row, all of a sudden like a two is worth four and a three is worth six. Like we Keeps going up for however many consecutive shots you make. You know make. how much we're confusing the casual fan on their couch? <laughs> well, then the over-under in the All-Star game will be like over-under 600 and a half. Like, if you try to, I mean, that's how we are with the Pro Bowl right now. You know when there's like a new team, uh, there's a new team and they tell everybody, submit your like your mascot uh, pictures oh, or, like, yeah. or like the zoo will do this. And like, oh, there's a new hippo. Go ahead and throw in uh, your name for the hippo and I, we'll, we'll come I up love with those. the best one. This is what the NBA needs to do. Just have thousands of people, millions of people all over the country and world. Yeah, have them work their, for you. Yeah, submit their ideas and then get a couple, uh, get our guy Joey Gra- Graziano and others, and <laughs> they can just sit there for hours up on hour and leaf through all these different. I, I mean, I like it. They're going to do something now. It was a breaking point over the weekend. Everyone's whining about it. Adam Silver isn't happy. They're going to do something. The next, just do maybe MT- not next year, but the, the year after, they will have done something. Just do MTV Rock and Jock. I love that back in the day where they had like the triple baskets and you had to just like throw it as high as you could and it could be 10, 6, 3. And it was I Bill, s- pull out Bill Bellamy wherever he's at, <laughs> find Dave Holmes, <laughs> put it Bellamy. all out. Carson Daly, what's he doing these days? Get them all Carson out Carson Daly's everywhere. Dude, jo- like. rock and jock. We mean Carson Daly's everywhere. Where is he? Where I, is he? I, I feel like I see him on, uh, was it The Voice? <laughs> oh, I, I, don't I don't watch The Voice. I guess he is on The Voice. Uh, I I, um, I saw someone mention yesterday uh, they should vote off an all-star from the losing team and you're never allowed to be an all-star ever again. <laughs> would that entice? That's great. Some play in there? Who would it be on the Western Conference? What's my guy's name? Running Survivor? Jeff Probst. Uh, yeah. Haven't put like put his torch out. Like, sorry, you are no longer an all-star. Tyrese Halliburton yesterday on Twitter, uh, a picture of him as an all-star. Thankful and grateful. God is amazing. Shout out to all the fans for showing love all weekend. There is nothing like home. He went with the gold heart and gold star emoji. No word on if Rick Carlisle liked that tweet or not. I guess Rick didn't say it on Twitter, again, right? He just said Instagram? Again, Rick Carlisle has has a burner Instagram. Uh, he did not want to tell us what the handle was because then it wouldn't be a burner Instagram any longer. It's a great, That's probably the best thing that happened today to us is finding out Rick Carlisle has a burner Instagram so he can just keep tabs on everyone. I wonder what his algorithm <laughs> looks like. I know mine is out of control. I, I know what mine looks like.
Yeah, I was can't even open IG in public anymore. Oh my god! For Mrs. Carlisle's sake, let's hope it doesn't match Andy or Mark's uh, on that end. Pop quiz in a few three one seven two three nine. 10.70 10.70 for that. Before it all, uh, speaking of a Rick Carlisle update on Aaron Neesmith, let's do a morning checkdown. The Morning Checkdown, brought to you by the Barbasol Horizon League Basketball Championships. March starts here at the Indiana Farmers Coliseum, March 11th and 12th. All right, Mark, yeah, let's do that one. Uh, we'll give you at least some of this answer. Aaron Neesmith, injury update. Here's what Rick Car- uh, Carlisle told us about an hour and a half ago. Uh, he's doing better, um... Don't know, you know exactly what this is going to look like in the next three days, but um, you know I, I think the good news was it looked like it could have been a, a really really bad injury when it happened. Um, his reaction, the way he hit the floor, et cetera, et cetera. It's it's looking uh, like like an, more like an ankle injury. Uh, than anything have to do with a leg or anything else. So that's good news. And uh, in terms of timetable, don't know. Don't, not sure if you know Thursday's uh, a possibility or not. Uh, we certainly hope it, it, it is. And that was Rick Carlisle with us early on Aaron e. Smith. They've got a late practice tonight coming back from the All-Star Game. I think letting guys... Uh, travel back into town here uh, this morning. It is a around 6 o'clock, I believe, is what time practice starts tonight. It'll be the Detroit Pistons in town on Thursday for a 7 o'clock tip. Pistons started the year 3-36 and 36 for those that forgot. But they've won 4 of 11, so are they hot? Yes. <laughs> for, for them, they're... They've won 4 of 11, the, the hottest team in the, the NBA. The basketball on uh, NBA Jam Tournament Edition is exactly what they are. By the way, the spread in this game is about 12. I'm already seeing it right now. You can bet it. And again, we need an alternate cam on Benedict Matherin and Jaden Ivey when those two are in the game. All right, tonight uh, from Villanova, from Philly, it'll be a Butler-Nova matchup, and it is an important one when we're talking NCAA tournament resume for both of these teams. Butler is a a six-and-a-half-point underdog. They did beat Villanova in double OT, a wild finish there uh, in regulation a couple weeks back uh, at Hinkle Fieldhouse. Means more to Nova, but it means a whole lot to Butler as well. Again, Nova probably looking up at the bubble, Butler looking down at it. So, you know, when you look at the resumes of these two teams, Villanova at home needs it more than Butler on the road. But still, when you talk at Nova tonight, at Seton Hall coming up this weekend, uh, I think it's really, really important for Thad Modest Bunch to get a road win in one of these two games because both of these teams are hovering right on the bubble. Yeah, it's a quad one opportunity. A couple no- news uh, and notes. William Byron wins the Daytona 500 yesterday. Of course, they ran that yesterday at 4 o'clock. All the rain going through Daytona on Sunday. Tommy Lloyd gets a contract a contract extension at Arizona. He's a pretty good coach. Butler, uh, I should say Butler, uh, Jacques Vaughn fired there with the Brooklyn Nets. That became official yesterday. Kevin Ollie, who's been all over the place, whether it's G League, uh, what G League Ignite, I believe he worked with, obviously won the title at UConn, got fired, got a show cause, got to do a lawsuit with the university. Uh, he is back, and now he'll be the interim head coach, you would imagine, the rest of the season. I haven't looked this up, but Brooklyn's been absolutely brutal. Uh, Can the Pacers get Mikhail Bridges? I would like that for the Pacers. Oh, I love, I love Bridges. No, that'd be a fantastic one. <laughs> 
21 and 33 of the Brooklyn Nets on the season. And speaking of contracts, shout out to LN product Mike Conley. Announced yesterday, two-year, $21 million extension for him. That would keep him... Under contract with the T-Wolves through 2025-2026. We're talking about 36-year-old Mike Conley in year 17 in the NBA. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. You studied. Can you handle the pressure? Sharpen your pencils. It's time for the Pop Quiz with KB and Andy. Brought to you by Jiffy Lube, Indiana's favorite oil change since 1985. All right, let's get a winner on this Tuesday. Pop Quiz time. Uh, Jiffy Lube oil change up for grabs. If you can go five for five, I will say there are three KB uh, NASCAR questions in here three of them i don't know if that again for some people that's a good thing for others they have no idea that the daytona 500 ran yesterday at four o'clock was it ross <laughs> did you guys watch any of it i mean, I, I watched i watched a little bit but not was very it much. ross chastain with the bush light car uh i no, that i did not see but i did see i saw this going around on twitter you know they they do the uh the bumper cam and they did it for jimmy johnson and the bumper cam was presented by creed oh <laughs> Wow. <laughs> Interesting. Is that Creed is of an angel? I think Creed's going I think Creed's going on uh like tour this summer. Aren't they all gonna be at Ruoff? Yes, and I their tickets are. are like a thousand dollars. I know now, whose car was that was Jimmy Johnson, you said was, bumper cam? I think it was the bumper cam wow. was presented by Creed and it had the Creed lettering mark like from their albums fifteen oh, years man. ago. That is pretty incredible. Good. That was incredible. But uh if I should know one car, it would be the Bush Light car, and I fail you. I have failed you today on this Tuesday. I have no idea who is in the Bush Light automobile. I could have sworn. I, 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 I could be off on that, but uh, hopefully our caller will know that. I don't see that as the question, Scotty. You didn't ask about the Bush Light car here <laughs> on the pop quiz. Uh, give us a number, Andy. One through eight. Oh, let's go. Let's go six, Mark. All Where right. do you want to go? Ed. Oh, is this Ed Carpenter? Hey, Ed. Hey, good morning. Ed, you a NASCAR guy? Yeah, uh, half. Okay. D- did you watch yesterday? I, I caught the second half of it after I got home from work. A- am I right? Is it Ross Chastain with the Bush Light car, or my eyes he's craving number, a President's Day Bush Light? Number, he was number one. I don't remember if it was Bush Light or not. Gosh. He led most of the race to the very end. Unbelievable. My gosh, you would think. Of, all right, I'm going to Google this. Can you handle the first question? Yeah, yeah, I can handle it. I uh, I'm looking at it right now. Yes, yeah, you're it, right. it is Ross. Ross? J- yeah, it is. It's Ross. Gosh, hey, good I was for you. So disappointed to see him crash. Uh, all right, Gino REM. Oh, this apparel's outstanding. <laughs> it is. It's pretty good. All right, question number one, Ed. Uh, Gino REM moved into second place on the all-time wins list in men's or women's D1 college basketball last night. Now he bumped Coach K to third. Coach K remains number one on the men's D1s wins list with uh, 1,202. Who is second in wins among men's D1 college basketball coaches? So Coach K1, who is two? Is it Bob Knight, 
Bob Huggins, Jim Calhoun, Jim Beheim. Beheim. Thank you to Charlie. Thank you to Eric for mentioning Ross Chastain. Ed, who's your favorite NASCAR driver of all time? Gordon. Of course, it's got to be Jeffrey. Jeffrey, does he go by? He's from Indiana, Scotty, or is that... So technically, I think he moved here to start racing, if I remember right. So we don't list him as hometown necessarily, or I guess birthplace would not be here, but maybe hometown would be. All right, Ed, number two here, William Byron, of course, won yesterday's Daytona 500 with the win. Hendrick Motorsports ties Petty Enterprises with nine victories in the Daytona 500. Who was the last Hendrick driver to win the Daytona 500? Jeff Gordon, Jimmy Johnson, Dale Earnhardt Jr. or Casey Kane? Gordon. You sure, Ed? Uh, yeah, I won't say it's 14 or 15. You sure, Ed? <laughs> I guess not. <laughs> what was the choices again, sir? Jimmy Johnson, Dale Earnhardt Jr., Casey Kane. Jr. All right, question number three. Who was the first Hendrick driver to win the Daytona 500? Uh, Daytona 500, was it? Jeff Gordon, Jeffrey Bodine, Daryl Waltrip, Ricky Rudd. Ricky Rudd. Jeffrey Bodine sounds like a pinch hitter. It comes off, uh, comes off the bench in uh, September for you as you make a pennant run. What Coming did he say up for, for the Royals, Jeffrey Bodine. <laughs> yes, exactly. What, what do you, who did he say for number one? Did he say Bayheim? He did. Yes. All right. uh, Ed, number four here with Hendrick Motorsports and Petty Enterprises tied with nine Daytona 500 wins apiece. Who is third? Joe Gibbs Racing, Wood Brothers Racing, Team Penske, or Richard Childress Racing? Wood Brothers. Look at that. Deep in thought there, Ed. We picked the perfect person for the one that had three out of five questions being NASCAR. I agree. It's, like we, it's like we knew exactly who to go to on the phone lines. If you uh, if you had your own team, would it be Bowen Racing, Team Bowen, uh, Kevin Bowen Racing? How would you how oh, would you I phrase your racing team? That. Okay. Yeah, I wouldn't need It'd be that. Tiger Woods rules with a Z <laughs> racing. Yeah. <laughs> All right, last one. Team Penske just sounds too uh, it just sounds too good. I like Penske the team. perfect. Uh, the Dodgers' Otani. Otani enters the 2024 MLB season as baseball's highest-paid player, averaging 70 mil per season. Who was the first? All right, listen, Ed. Who was the first MLB player to earn more than $1 million per year in salary? Was it Nolan Ryan, Pete Rose, Reggie Jackson, Dave Winfield? I saw this guy front row at a sporting event recently. It's escaping me what it was. Did you really? Dave Winfield? Yeah, gosh, what what was it? Hmm. I don't know. I could be way off here. Ed, you an Indy 500 fan? Indy car fan? Yes, sir. Die hard. Right now, if I gave you one bet to win the Indianapolis 500 coming up here in a little over three months, it would be who? It's too wide open, man. To be honest with you, got to wait till you start grinding. If I had Pillow and New Garden and and gave you the field, would you take the field? No. 
All right, so it's, one of, so, it's one, so it's one of those two then. <laughs> it feels like Pelot is due. I mean, in all honesty. Damn good. He is. I'll take the field then. Always take the field. Had the opportunity, or had an opportunity. Uh, a couple of years ago. All right, Ed, great effort Good there. Good job, Ed. As Andy said, um, that was the type of caller we needed. Bayheim, correct? Yep. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> Speaking of the Indy 500. I yeah. wanted to say Bob Knight. <laughs> well, it was a smart choice there to go. By the way, I uh, Notre Dame and yeah, Notre Dame Duke a few weeks ago. Bayheim was on the call. Did you? Oh, is he doing he? this? Yeah, well, I, I knew I he mean, was doing I don't watch a lot of ACC basketball outside of Notre Dame. He was he was actually really good. Yeah, I could see him being good if those guys yeah. work on it. They're, I mean, they know the game of basketball. I've seen I've seen him do some. He was media a third stuff. in the booth. To be fair, they gotcha. had another guy, but still, I thought he did a nice job. Okay, Dale Earnhardt Jr., yeah! the last Hendrick driver to win the five hundred, and the other one, Andy Wood Brothers Racing, correct? Yeah. Let's go. He got that. He got number three wrong. The first Hendrick driver to win the Daytona 500 was Bodine back in 19, switch hitter. Uh, 1986. And Your then second baseman. Uh, Nolan Ryan, the first player in MLB history to make more than one mil per year, was Nolan Ryan. 1980. Ed, good work. Thanks for the call. Mark, did you ever do baseball play-by-play? No. Well, I mean, no. like, I guess that's not even play-by-play. That was like more of a PA voice. Yeah. You sound good. I tried out for the Cubs PA job like a decade ago. I did not get the gig. By the way, shout out to our guy. And Okay, so was it Troy Pepper doing the intros and then Sean Sullivan doing the actual game PA Sunday night? So Sean Sullivan did like the... And this is inside Game Retreat. The start of it, yeah. And then like for player intros, it was not... It was was, uh, Troy Pepper who usually Mm -hmm. does uh, Pacers games. Uh Yeah, they both did an uh, outstanding job. I was curious about that, like in-game entertainment-wise... Uh, you know, how much is it NBA people they bring in? How much the Pacers play? They had, and boy, his name is escaping me. Um, good looking dude on the uh, on the Jumbotron uh, who does Pacers MC stuff. Uh, he was one of the <laughs> variety of people that they had. Good looking dude. Yeah, I, I mean, should like, know this. Who he looks he? like he belongs on a Jumbotron right, MC. He doesn't right. look like me. No, you can't have unattractive people doing the no, halftime no. and the between quarters, you know, t shirt tosses and right. stuff. They got to be good looking. I would agree with that. Kind of like the look when you and I walked out on stage <laughs> at, at, at the Vogue the other yeah. night to introduce well, Tyrese Halliburton that's, Woj. That, that's and, why those people were drinking, you know, alcohol, hopefully heavily. Did you notice no one clapped initially? Yeah, well. Should they? If you guys <laughs> there, are there, there's four guys. You walked out on stage like, who are these guys? <laughs> yeah, they're like, yeah, we're out here to test the mics. One, two, one. Can you hear us in the back? Uh, all right, we'll close it out one final time here. It's a wake up <laughs> call with KB and Andy. Busy day here at the Fan Query and Company coming your way. A new JMV coming your way at 3 o'clock today. You miss uh, any of the conversations, our conversation with Rick Carlisle or Joel Joel A. Erickson. You can find those 1075thefan.com. I have dropped the ball and you have dropped the ball, Kevin Bowen, on one item today. We have not not talked about the biggest story that happened in the world of sports last night. We had a fight. Did you see the brawl that was uh, last night in college hoops? Did you see this? I, yes. I so, yeah. I, Max woke up like around midnight, and so I was rocking up and started scrolling through my phone, and I watched like the first 10 seconds, and then I felt like my phone was too bright, and his eyes were open, so then I put my phone away, and I didn't go so back and watch it. So you put it away? It. You didn't watch so the I rest of it? So I saw the first 10 seconds. Uh, how, how juicy was it? Texas A&M uh, Commerce got into a fight with Incarnate World. 
Is it word or word. world? Is word. it not wordle? Word, word. Uh, word, and they got into a fight. And I don't know if it's better that those two teams fought, or if it were like you know Notre Dame and UConn. Got, oh, that'd be lopsided. Got into a got mean? into a fight. Well, I'd be lopsided. You I would see imagine. Notre Dame? They got a big old team this year. <laughs> do they have a big yeah. team? Yeah, okay. they can't play, but they can shoot. <laughs> what do you mean they can't play? They're going for three in a row tomorrow they can night. Fight, Who they it. got tomorrow night? By the way, they've got your cards. Oh yeah, yeah, my cards. Friendly right. wager. Come on, they've boy. got the fighting Kenny Pence. Where's that one? In the Yum Center? It is down in the 20,000-person Yum Center. Dude, I'm telling you right now, if you go, you could sit front row for $4. God, that is so sad. KB, I'm not... I'm not That's the saddest thing I've heard they're in college. A, they're, they're averaging about 5,000 people. You can... Listen, I know many people have done this. You buy the cheapest ticket that's in section 312, and you walk down, and you sit... You could sit fourth row. You could sit within probably where we are to each other of Micah Shrewsbury if you really wanted to. Now you'd have to drive an hour and a half there and well, back. Well, Maddie, get ready. We got a little Wednesday night road trip, <laughs> it sounds like. Go down, get a little bit of bourbon. I mean, there tickets are pretty cheap from what I'm looking at. So the fight was juicy. Nah, I mean, it was a pretty good fight. You saw, I mean, you saw this some was actual, the old handshake line, saw, if I remember correctly. Saw, yeah, right? You saw some punches being thrown. You saw a guy, a small guy who was trying to get in the middle of it, like uh, like a short guy who wasn't Jeff a Van player. Gundy's brother. And he got he got an elbow to the nose. That made oh. me smile a little bit. Yeah, sure. It was a good fight. Now, speaking of college basketball from last night, I saw Houston beat Indiana, or Indiana. Houston beat Iowa State. Uh, is this same old Houston? Is this the same team every year? Or are they like... Now they're in the Big 12 and they're doing this. We need to take them even more serious. But to be fair, they've I mean, had a really nice run here oh, I mean, over the last had, few years. Uh, what, four years maybe? And I know Jamal so? Shedd's been there Something for a like while that. and he's a really good guard. But, like, are we, do we need, because, you know, the, 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 know. the talk college basketball for I the know. last few weeks has been UConn and Purdue are on a tier. Is Houston with them? I think Houston is starting to to make that conversation be at least out there. I still don't, I still think that they're, the 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 cup below, if you will, but I would say you know that tier two. Who's on tier two? I would say probably North Carolina lost their their kind of standing there by by what they've done over Boy, the last Marquette couple got weeks. Smoked by UConn yeah, on Saturday. I mean, maybe you look at an Arizona or Tennessee. Maybe Iowa State just lost. So you could say UConn and Purdue are at the very top. And then if you said you know one B would be Houston, I don't think that would be crazy. Cryer is still there, if you remember him. I just I don't know what to do with Houston. I got to be honest, but they're going to win the Big Twelve. It's sure looking that way. Kansas not going to win the Big Twelve. I mean, the first time like fifteen years, the Bill Self hasn't either won outright or a share of the Big Twelve title. That's impressive. It is. Yeah, again, Houston, their first year in the Big Twelve, and they've had you know a pretty nice run this season. So I think Purdue it should be fine. I don't even know if this is a conversation for Purdue. They'd have to slip up at least two more times. I would think the rest of the season to get off the one line. Like I don't think we're there. And even if they got off the one line for some reason, Andy, there's just no good Midwest teams to take them out of the Indy region. Again, I don't know how oh, familiar agree, yeah. people are with that process, but they pod you up early in the tournament. So um, if you look at you know the Kentuckys of the world, the Louisvilles of the world, other Big Ten teams, hell, a a Pittsburgh or a Villanova or you know somebody somewhat close to Indianapolis, none of them are very good, or at least not at that Purdue level. So. Uh, in all likelihood, Purdue is going to be playing inside of Gamebridge Fieldhouse. Again, I think it's a month from today or tomorrow, March 21st or something like that. Uh, this is the first round uh, for the first two rounds. And in all likelihood, they'll be on to Detroit 
after that, even if I feel like they slip up another couple games. Uh, I'm looking at Purdue right now. They still have three quad one opportunities, and that's not counting the Big Ten tournament. Because they got Illinois-Wisconsin in March, right? Yeah, I mean, Illinois-Wisconsin at Illinois, then Wisconsin ends the season in Maggie, but before then, I mean, Michigan State's a top 25 team in the net right now. IU and Purdue have not played Michigan State yet. I keep on forgetting that. And yeah. that, is that game in Mackey, Michigan uh, State, Purdue? It, it is, and I've lost total track be how bad they were. I mean, at one point they were, I mean, they were an under five hundred team. Did Tom Izzo? They have studied the ship. Yeah, they they've won. Let's see, five out of six. Their only loss being at Minnesota. They've won three straight, including one of those games over Illinois. But um, I, I don't know. I mean, you know I, how many know. people are going to pick them to go to the Final Four? I'm not. Yeah, but I'm you know, not. I mean, people. I'm sure people will. Izzo in March. Izzo in March. There's always the one middle-ish seed every year that seems to get on a run, and Michigan State certainly has a track record to do it. All right, thank you to Rick Carlisle. Thank you again to Joel A. Erickson. Both of those podcasts will be up on the website. We had a pretty deep Michael Pittman Jr. conversation again. The franchise tag window beginning today, lasting for two weeks. Uh, kind of filled you in on the process of that. Uh, that will be also up on the podcast as well. Again, Butler Villanova, 6.30 tip tonight. Six and a half point underdog the Bulldogs in an important bubble game for them on the road. Pacers back in action Thursday. Everybody have a great Tuesday. We will chat with you.